The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. everyone and welcome again to the astrolab the only podcast on the internet everyone seems to want to ban these days and of course they did succeed finally banning the card in legacy so thank god uh i am one of your co-hosts joe dyer and with me as always is mr scott campbell how you doing tonight scott i figured it out what i figured out why in 2021 i have been not scott campbell oh because if I'm your companion, you have to pay three mana to put me in your hand. <laughs> that, that rules text is not on me, so that's why uh, I couldn't figure it out. Oh, man. I, I'm all right, Joe. Uh, just, you know, just doing the normal 2020 thing. Uh, working, staying inside, hoofing people on arena. <laughs> you know, that, that's what the CDC guidelines say, right? Like, make sure right. you crater hoof people once a day. Yep, yep. Um, I, I have been doing something a little bit different, though. Oh. I, I can't remember if I mentioned this in previous episodes, but if not, uh, cool. If so, well, you hear it again. <laughs> so I got tired of waiting for Elixir and Mortality. So I have a Sphinx's Revelation deck that also uses Call to Mind to okay. shuffle my cards back into my library. And anytime Arena says, you need to play 20 blue and white spells, cool. Uh So I'll load that deck up in the casual room, play one game, and hit my achievement. uh, Because that's how those control decks go. But it's always nice to Sphinx's Rev for six as your second Sphinx's Rev for the game. And Punch's like, nope, we're done. Scoop. And I'm like, I miss that feeling. Like, can we have it back? Like, (laughs) maybe in Pioneer? I, is that a format? Is no, it going to be no, a format? No, it's not. No, it's not. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if we can just have it on historic, maybe? Because like, no, no one's playing Narset. Like, uh, that's the thing with historic right now. It's so aggro-focused Yeah. that no one's worried about the opponent drawing any extra cards to play Narset, or the opponent's just full of gas all the time, and they don't need to draw extra cards. So mm-hmm. Narset's just like, you know, uh, three mana time walk, uh, give the opponent an extra turn, essentially. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just, just kind of poking around with arena a little bit, just trying to keep the magic juices going. Uh, I have, uh, five of my EDH decks done, uh, slowly working on the others, almost finished rebuilding Maverick and Legacy. The, some of the final pieces will be coming soon. Um... Waiting for the baseball season to start. As of, <laughs> as of recording, we're five days away. Uh, the opening day forecast for your Cincinnati Reds uh, looks like there'll be no precipitation, but the high will only be 41 degrees. Uh, that, that's Fahrenheit for those that may be using Celsius or if you're using Kelvin for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so, yeah, that, that's not warm. <laughs> so, it's like spring. Right. It feels more like winter. Gotcha. 
Um, other than that, just been super busy with work. Had to uh, assemble several PowerPoints this last week oh for for, ver- for various meetings, uh, which is weird because when I look at the amount of work I did, it's like, well, maybe we are in our slow period, so it's okay that I took that time away from working to do something else. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I when I when I'm at work, I just want to work. I don't want to be bothered with meetings and projects and right. I, I'm I'm old school that way. It's like work hard to get noticed. Well, that ship sailed so long ago. I don't know when it did, <laughs> uh, and and I've been behind, where you have to attend meetings and do projects and get noticed beyond just working. So this year I've been trying to find ways to do that. Uh, we have a morning call uh, through Zoom where we just get together for about a half hour uh, completely away from HR and just talk shit. It, it, it's kind of great because um, we, we kind of roast each other a little bit. Our supervisor is super cool with it and he's roasting us, gets roasted himself. And we're all <laughs> laughing about it and stuff and we go about our day. Um, I, uh, we were using a program, um, a proprietary program with that, uh, with work, but that ended when we all started going from home and they wanted to use Microsoft Teams and my soup was like, nope, we need to find another way. That way HR doesn't, uh, get the ability to listen to our call. This is our call, our time. This is Vegas. I'm like, I'll do it through Zoom. Uh, so I've been hosting that through Zoom. Uh, each day and that and that's kind of been the thing that kind of sparked this well Scott needs to do more than just work right and so I, I don't know if it will lead to anything but um you know if if I'm shown as being reliable or resourceful or important uh, if God forbid if anything were ever happen like that which again I always worry about too um, but if I'm seeing that as an important enough piece, then that can only help me if I choose to advance later. But in right. this current pandemic world, I'm not even sure if I'm going to do that because, you know, I have to set up, I would have to set up like meetings through video conference and all that stuff because we don't have a site anymore. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. But anyway, enough about all that. Joe, sir, how you doing? How's Carn Echoes? What, what's, uh, what's going on family-wise? Everything good? Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually played a whole lot of Magic this week, actually. Huh. Uh, it's been kind of a weird week, uh, and so I just really haven't had any inkling to play much this week. Uh, so I just haven't. Okay. <laughs> so, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, I can take those kind of breaks. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, I've just kind of been doing that. I attempted – well, so, okay, so family-wise, everybody's doing okay. Uh, we're all both, both my wife and I are scheduled for this Thursday to get our first, uh, COVID shot, uh, vaccine shot. So nice. I got my first uh, one already. So, so yeah. Help, yeah, I, I was able to, uh, like first thing Friday morning, I was able to get in on the website, the Ohio website, and it mm-hmm. finally popped up and said, and gave me the questionnaire of, are you 16 or older? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and no, it's like, not. hey, you're, and it's like, hey, you're eligible. And I was like, cool. <laughs> like, where can I get it? And then it came up with a list of a bunch of places. And uh, one of the top ones was um, uh, Dayton Children's Health Pavilion. 
Okay. And, and uh, they had a bunch of bunch of appointments available for this in this next week on starting Thursday. So okay. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, um, you know, that's great. You know, so got that scheduled. Do you know what and one you're getting? I don't. Doesn't say. Okay. So yeah, they probably don't know until the day of because they probably don't know which one they have to open and right. There's different different things. Uh, so yeah, no idea. <laughs> yeah, I I got the Pfizer and okay. uh, you know, most of the people I know got the Pfizer. Yeah, my father-in-law got my father-in-law got Moderna. Okay. Uh, so and I think that's what my wife's grandmother got was Moderna. So cool. But um, so yeah, it, we'll get it. We'll get it taken care of and whatnot. Uh, my daughter is on spring break this week. Oh, sweet. So she's going to be at home for most of the week. Oh, well, not most of the week. She's going to have some days where she gets to go uh, hang out with, like, her grandpa. And uh, the Thursday that we're going to be, you know, doing our stuff, she's going to be uh, out at our god, her godmom's house. Because the, the kids at her godmom's house that her godmom watches, because she runs an in-home child care mm, okay. facility, like, um, the kids that she watches haven't seen her in a while. And oh, so nice. they because she's been at school and they yeah. want to they want to see her. Wait, so, so she didn't take off to Florida with all the rest of the spring break kids? No. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, yeah, she's only in kindergarten. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, let's see. I I did attempt, and a keyword attempt, uh, to uh, spin up Magic Legends, uh, and then I promptly uninstalled it. The quickest uninstall ever. Uh, Dear God, it's bad. Dear God, it's bad. Uh, look, I... I, I... I don't mind MMOs, and I, I don't mind playing MMOs. I used to play WoW back in the day. Mm-hmm. This is not an MMO. Uh, yeah, no. Cool. This is it, uh, Dollar Store Diablo. It, it's it's Dollar Store Diablo. Uh, it seems really repetitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it The randomization of how like spells appear and stuff like that is really awkward. Uh, and the interface sucks. Like yeah. the interface is really poor, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm good. I I will uh, never play this ever again." And I yeah. uninstalled it like when super quick. When the I, information of the game came out, like moons ago, like back when they were first announcing, it, I'm like, "Okay," and I'm like, mm, "Yeah, I'm probably going to pass on this. I don't think it's going to be good." And then the game comes out for people to play, like. I saw Pleasant Kenobi play a couple times. Yeah. And I'm like, so League of Legends meets Diablo? Basically, yeah. That's and, basically it. And but but like worse of both yeah. games? Yeah, and and not only that, like it, like uh, somebody was like, "Oh man, but like I find it kind of immersive cuz I'm running around Zendikar and stuff like I'm like, it didn't feel that immersive." Like yeah. short of having like Nissa show up with a pretty piss poor voice actor no less uh like i just don't understand they can't nail down Nissa's voice right well and, not only that but like some of the like the the spells or whatever yeah uh, the attacks were doing like uh four digit damage right and like that that's not magic like magics are four fours and five fives and first right. strike and right you know it's not it's not Yu-Gi-Oh where you're doing damage in the tens of thousands or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, dude, uh, it, it was so bad that I threw out a name suggestion to Magic Mike's on their Discord. 
oh, for God. the title show for this past Thursday, calling it uh, League of Magic Legends. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed yeah. it one. Got it. That's yeah. what they called yeah. the show. And I'm like, hmm, chef's kiss. Yeah, it's just, it, it's like, they managed to at least get Raul Zarex, like, voice kind of sound fine. Sure. Like, like it was good enough to where you could be like, okay, I can buy that this is Raul Zarek. Like, yep. uh, yeah, I, I can buy it. Like, that's fine. Nissa, I'm like, nah. Nah, I can't, I can't get behind this, this. Like, I know that she's like an elf and she's kind of haughty, in a, you know, in a sense, but it just didn't really click with me. Yeah. And it's it, like, okay. You know what they yeah, should have no. done with that money? Hmm. They should have just brought back uh, Magic Duels. Chandelar. Uh, they could have done Chandelar. that. Chandelar. Just bring back Chandelar. You can still find a copy of that out you there. You can. Somewhere. Yes. Uh, my buddy Nat uh, plays Chandelar uh, on a fairly regular basis, actually. Remember. Uh, uh, he loves it. He loves it. It's one of his favorite games. What was the one on PS1? Was that Magic Battlegrounds or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah. another one that was like, oof. Yeah, uh, for back Chandel- Chandelar was actually really good, right? So, but yeah. like, if they wanted to do something with the story element, where you got spells based on you completing a quest or whatever, just bring back magic duels, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. I, I don't know. It was. It's kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a bit to talk about tonight because uh, we do have Strixhaven spoilers to talk about finally. Right. Uh, and uh, perpetual spoiler season continu- can begins and continues yet again. And these spoilers um, are historic in nature. Uh, ah. Yeah. Ah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we don't actually have we we actually really don't actually have a ton of actual strict saving spoilers. Uh, so I mean, we we have enough, but we don't have a ton because they chose to. Ch- Spend a day or two. Uh, so so Wednesday is when they had the preview stream. Right. Uh, which was pretty good. I have to give them credit. They did a pretty good job with the preview stream this, for this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was okay. Uh, I like I like having Jimmy Wong involved in stuff. I think he's a good face man. Yeah. yeah. I will, I will give him that. Stuff. He, he does a commend, good job. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good job at playing it up and sounding surprised and you know well especially be- now because like the last like however many sets has been since of course all this crap started they've had to do a lot of person is on stage talking to someone like what we do through a zoom call mm-hmm. and you know jimmy's perfect for it because yeah oh yeah you know that that's how they have their setup for uh the command zone uh and you know, they, they, they can't do the big extravagant stuff like they did with uh, Kaladesh, for example. Right. Which, granted, he was the MC for that. But, you know, so they have to find a way to present the new set in a way. And having Jimmy always do this, like... That's good. It breeds what, familiarity. There's that. But them. what if he... Like, what if they spin him like, like Marvel did the Stan Lee cameos? Right, yeah. Like Where he's there's just, always there's always Jimmy. Right, he's just yeah. jumping from plane to plane. Yeah, and yeah. visiting whatever's going on in Magic. I, I I think that would be neat if they were to, to kind of amp that up a little bit. Turn turn that knob as Wizards has knobs and lovers. Turn that knob right. up a little bit on Jimmy. Right, right. And so, um, 
sorry. They okay. um they did that and they and that was nice because they showed some actual cards. A uh, few, yeah, had, yeah, a few actual cards. Uh, but then they spent two basically two days revealing all of the mystical archive cards. Ooh, uh, and for those who don't know what these mystical archive cards are, uh, they are uh, special cards that are going to be in draft boosters, set boosters, and collectors boosters. Uh, you will get one per draft booster. You will get one per set booster, uh, at least. At the very least, you will get one, mm-hmm. one per. Uh, collectors boosters, it gets a little bit more in-depth. Uh, because collector's boosters, you can get a, um, you get up to, uh, possibly four of them Mm -hmm. in a collector's booster. Uh, so you get two etched foil ones, uh, in a collector's booster. So you get one rare mythic etched foil and you get an uncommon etched foil. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you get a, uh, potential foil, foil, rare or mythic, traditional foil, rare or mythic. And a foil, and an always guaranteed foil uncommon, and a coupon uh, for a free can of Pringles. <laughs> yeah, well, so at least the etched ones. Yeah. Uh, at least from what I understand from uh, the ones that we had at Commander Legends, uh, that the etched foils don't do that. Correct. And so etched foils of these are probably going to be pretty cool. I'm sure. Oh yeah. So, um, so there are 63 cards on this list. Uh, and so with, here's, here's the thing with six, this is what people don't get about this with one in every pack. Um, and especially like one, basically non-foil in every pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every draft pack is going to have a non-foil. Uh, I think, what did they say here? Um, where's the set booster set booster has a dedicated slot. That will be either an uncommon, rare, or mythic mystical archive card, always. And then the foil slot of the set boosters has a chance of getting a traditional foil mystic archive card that's either uncommon, rare, or mythic as well. So you can get up to two in a set booster. Uh, So with that many non-foil ones um, that are going to be in packs like that, and with Mm -hmm. only 63 cards in the list, there's going to be a lot of the non-foil of that these out there oh yeah a lot so the price on these cards uh is going to be pretty decent uh it's going to drop the price on a lot of these cards yeah they'll, are, they'll then, be high on initial release or pre-release because people right, want to get their card right. but yeah they should start coming down yeah especially then, the white ones because uh. well okay so one of the things to note about this is that uh all of the uncommon cards that are on this list uh, are actually all of them are actual standard legal cards. Which uh, that was kind of like the point. Like I, they made all of the uncommon standard legal cards. I, I get it from a limited standpoint because some of these cards were well. These cards, of course, were from previous sets. So if you happen to get, say, like a Defiant Strike, uh, right, as right. one of the cards in the set, cool. You can play that on your card. It's limited, whatever. But like, the Mystical Archive is supposed to be essentially the magic version of the cloud. Like, your most historic spells are kept here for preservation, to learn from, and, oh, wait, we're going to have Divine Gambit. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, White doesn't have a ton of 
very good spells in uncommon that territory of standard legal spells. Uh, they they so. could have thrown me immolating glare and I would have been happy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, but that was kind of the point. Like all of the all of the the uncommons are that way, and then mm-hmm. all of the rares and mythics are all cards that are only legal in whatever format they were legal before, or right. the fact that we are going to have some most of these. We'll say most of these because we'll right. most of these are going to be legal and historic as well. Uh, right, because they had to have something for these cards to do, right? Other, to be able to show up in limited on arena, while also being cards that people would want. Right, I, I, that's really the point. Like they had to make make it so that oh, I got this card, um, but I can't play it in anything. Like that seems kind of dumb, uh, but they're gonna have that. So they are they're doing that, but then at the same time, uh, seven of those cards uh, are going to be banned. Uh, for basically power level reasons, essentially, uh, in historic, and um, so uh, kind of rundown on w- the which ones are which ones are banned because I think those are the kind of the fun ones to talk about first because those are the ones that are going to be for like pimp stuff for people to play in older formats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are channel, uh, counterspell, uh, dark ritual, demonic tutor, lightning bolt, uh, natural order, and swords of plushers. Um I get most of these except lightning bolt, but I, I have heard people say like, well, you know, like you put bolt in a format and it kind of tends to warp the format around bolt. And I can see that, but I also don't think it's that super strong, but whatever. Right. You know, like, you know yeah. especially, especially compared to some of the cards they are putting into historic, uh, namely cards like brainstorm, uh, yeah. is on this list. It's going to be put in historic. Um, let's see here. What were some of the other good ones here? Um, Time Warp is going to be an historic... Inquisition uh, of Kozilek. Inquisition of Kozilek. Uh, Mind's Desire. Yeah, uh, Mind's yeah. Desire. Mind's Grape Shot. Desire. Grape Shot. Tendrils of Agony. Yeah, Faithless yeah. Looting. Faithless Looting, yep, yep. So, I, with all that stuff adding to the format, maybe at some point they, and they decide, okay, Bolt's fine. Like, I have a feeling that that's probably on there to, for them to be like, at some point, okay, Bolt's fine, let's just unban it. Well, like, I, I have a theory. Uh, with the way they're doing, because they obviously could not just not have the Mystical Archives available on Arena. They want Ooh. Arena and Paper to be a similar experience for players during right. normal times. Obviously, right. you can't do it during the pandemic. Right. Um, so they couldn't just omit mystical archives altogether. So they're like, cool, these things can be legal and historic. And we've kind of talked a little bit here and there about, you know, what are they doing with historic? Are they trying to have historic replace other formats? And we can get more into that later. I have a feeling that Wizards is happy with modern as a paper format. Yeah. Uh, however, I think that there are cards legal and modern that aren't powerful enough to be banned, but Wizards wishes that they were not printed. Like, Chalice of the Void. Right. Lightning Bolt. Right. Path to Exile. Right. Fetch Lands. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. And I think what they're trying, what they could be trying to do, if we want to put on our tinfoil hats and look at tea leaves and all that stuff, is they may be trying to curate historic as a modern light. Yeah. 
where uh, people can play. You can totally have a Randy Bueller Lightning Helix moment, but not a Lightning Bolt moment. Right, um, and I and I think I think this is fine. Um, I I still think this is this is a format that I think there really are eventually everything I see time every time I see something related to historic, it just continues to further my my understanding that eventually they're going to kill Pioneer, and that yeah that they will not use Pioneer anymore. It will not remain a supported format. Right. Uh, and they will curate historic further to the point where they will continue to use it as the split format for pro tours on arena, because I don't think we will ever get back to a point where we have paper pro tours. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think so either. Like, I think they are content to have it on arena. If magic wants to be an esport, they have to push hard into the digital realm. Mm -hmm. Their recent investor meeting where Wizards was properly brought into the Hasbro umbrella, and uh, they were branded what... uh, Wizards and Digital. Yeah, Wizards and Digital Games or something like that. Right, right. Um, Once we're clear of bat-eating stuff, um, once we're clear of all that, we're going to see Watsy push super hard. They'll, They'll probably do some big site events... I think that they could use modern as a pro tour format, right? For for paper, right? Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll have modern be the pro tour format for paper, and then they'll they'll, they'll, they'll do the split formats for standard and historic for arena, right? What yeah. they'll do is they'll use like their quote pro tours, their magic fest, if you set, will, the set championships now, right? As yeah. ways to promote. The game to, to get interest in the game back up to that hype level. Uh, I could even see them going so far as um, going Nintendo World Championship level with it, and just having a room if people are on the quote Pro Tour or playing for that or whatever. Right. And they bring their laptops or have laptops set up for people in a separate room. Like when I was at uh, GP Cleveland, the one that. Um, on Burchett one with Mono Blue Tempo. What was that, uh-huh. 2019? Yes. Jeez, yeah. All right, anyway. Yeah. There were two separate rooms. There was a room where, like, the, the main uh, the main event with all the grinders, the right. the uh, promotional Magic players were playing, and then there was, like, the rest of the hall. But they were separated. All your coverage was on... People like Auden Burchett and everybody else playing that event. The rest of it was your seals and limiteds and right. uh, side events and uh, people hanging around tables playing Commander and all that stuff. So I think that's kind of the model that Wizards will probably try using going forward for their paper events once we get back to them again. But I, I don't see the first paper event even happening till. 2023 which i think you called that one yeah yeah Um, i don't think it's gonna be it's gonna be a while yeah so we we have to get back to fnm first um so i recommend that anybody uh anybody watching this audio podcast ha joke um take a look at scryfall for these mystical archives and really any type of special art card that's come out in the last year 
make sure you recognize the art because there's going to be some, when we get back to F&M's there's going to be some folks that are going to cast Opt and it's going to be this weird art you've never seen before and it's going to look like an altar and it's not it's an actual magic card um, so so I would like to also point out yeah that all 63 of these cards uh-huh. also have an alternate art Japanese promo as well yeah, they will. Uh, and and when I say all 63, I mean we haven't seen all 63, but they said all 63 cards have a Japanese promo. And just based on the three that we know about, which is Swords of Plushers, Opt, and Demonic Tutor, mm-hmm. those are where the money's going to be because those are fire. Oh, yeah. And Everything about them is amazing looking. And they're only available in uh, well, Jap- Japanese language booster packs. Correct? No, actually, no. So oh. here's the cool. Here's the cool thing about Uh-oh. that. Hit me with it. In collectors boosters, oh, okay. In collectors boosters, um, one of the etched foil slots has a chance to be one of the foil etched Japanese alternate artworks. Get, get the get that. So here. so here's the way it works. Your rare mythic, rare or mythic etched foil in your pack could be a Japanese altar one. Okay? That means that your other one that you get, your uncommon one, will always be a regular English one. And vice versa. If you get, a, an, uh, if you get an uncommon foil etched Japanese altar, your rare or mythic will always be a foil etched global English one. So, so yeah, they will also be available in the collector's boosters. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is cool. There's a lot of hype around this for people who collect these different cards and, and things like that. I get it. It's totally fine. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm glad people are happy and excited. But, man, they're doing all this. Like, they never did this. You go back. Oh, yeah. You go back before Throne of Eldraine. Heck, you go back before uh, uh, Gil's Ravnica. And, and asked him, could you do this? No, we can never do that. You know, just, you know, it, I, whether they were just a hard stance on it or maybe Hasbro told them to do it, like they did this, and it's like, okay, you're spending all this money and resources on this, but you could just eliminate the reserve list, reprint Volcanic Island, and make probably more money. Yeah, I mean, I'm not upset that they do this. No, I, I'm not yeah, either. It, yeah. it's just, I'm not. It, it seems like, you know, they say they listen to the community. Community says, abolish the reserve list. Wizards is like, here's Japanese opt. Yeah, I mean. It's like, no, that's not what we're asking for. There's still something we don't, there's still a lot of things that um, we don't know. Oh, of course. Of on course. The, the reserve list conversation. But, yeah. Uh, I I don't mind that they do this stuff. I might I don't no. mind that they that they seek out uh, different art styles because the art styles on these cards are just really cool. Uh, pretty much all of them are really interesting. Yeah, um, like some like kind of invoke that uh, that same art style from the uh, the metal secret layer. Yeah, some are just completely out of left field, and, yes. and a, a lot of these artists. Uh, I haven't looked over the individual artists because I'm old and it's hard for me to see print that small on a screen. Right, right. Um, but I wonder if a lot of these artists, like with the Secret Lair, especially with Black is Magic, um, are new artists 
that yeah. are now getting their chance to like I'm going to do this crazy design for Mind's Desire. Right. And there's this like trippy stairwell or whatever going on, you know. Yeah, that one's really cool. Um the one that I have to point out because obviously it's going to come up uh yeah. is is Faithless Looting and I'm actually into it, honestly. I'm into it. Like it's so weird and yeah. jarring that it just kind of like okay, I get it. Like it's it's just it looks really and somebody pointed out like if you go look at like the particular artist that's Carly Mazur, if you go mm-hmm. look at like her portfolio and like her website, that's kind of like her style. She okay. mixes like photorealism with like flat colors and it's just a really wild looking card. And, ever, and there's a lot of people that are like, oh, my God, like it looks like she spent like five minutes of Mammoth's paint. And I'm like, no. Everybody became an art critic on Twitter overnight. Uh, and you know what? Fuck those people because they're stupid and they oh, don't know what they're talking about. Right. And, and, and I, get, I get the anger, the, the backlash to those people. I get that because, I mean, Twitter's just a cesspool it's, it's anyway, just, right? It's just not – it's not – you don't know what they, the, how much time that this person spent on this, exactly, on, on developing this, and what their thought process was, and it probably looks a lot better on the physical card than blown up. Yeah, there is a full art, uh, uh, and the full art looks actually really good. I yeah, was, yeah, just like an image of what the yeah. card is. Yeah, and the same person did the art for Harmonize in a similar. Um, art style on Harmonize, and it looks really good there. So mm-hmm. I, I think. What it is is, like, Faithless Looting might be one of their weaker pieces as an artist. Like, it might be a weaker piece, but they still manage to do something. It manages to evoke something right. in you. And that in itself is art. That's exactly. what art is. It made you feel something, whether you hated it or not. But at the same time... Approach the conversation without using words like this art is bad or this art is shit or this artist. I, the one time would take us all is uh, they should just never work with this artist ever again. Like, no, that's not the right take. No, the right, no, the no. right, the right conversation, the right language you should use is um, this art doesn't appeal to me or the, you know, I, I don't personally like this art, but I respect the fact that there are people that do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that sort of thing. Turn that conversation around and use those right the right words there because it it really does make a sense. Like bashing on the artist for what they perceive as their style, that's that's not right. So uh, I just, uh, Joe, it, it it's time. What? It's time for another Scott hot take. Oh God! All right, you ready? Okay. The people that are bashing this card art are only wanting to play the card for the effects on the card and not care about the art. It could just be a blank two and a half by three and a half but then, but white then, piece of paper with just the text Faithless and the mana cost and they they would cast it. That that's so these people that are jumping on this, all they want is they want attention. They yeah. want they want yeah. people to engage with them. And really honestly we need to I, I get wanting to call out these people but we really just need to start blocking the toxicity on Twitter. Yeah, and sure. Just, just but... not even acknowledging it. And if you disagree, if you're like, no, I play Magic for the Art too, stay tuned to the end of the show. That way you know how to contact me. <laughs> uh, so some of these cards, uh, one thing I also do want to point out is that there is one card on this set that is a preprint. Uh, there's a card that they put in the set that is going to be in Modern Horizons 2. 
Yeah. Uh, and that is Abundant Harvest. Holy crap. Uh, it is a uh, single green for a sorcery. Because you why choose, not? You choose land or non-land. Reveal cards from the top of your library. It's your reveal card of the chosen kind. Then put that card in your hand and the rest of them in the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah. It's pretty good. This card's pretty good. Choose it's... Tron land or non-land. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You just choose land or not. Yeah. It's... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Choose Tron land or non-land. Yeah. yeah it's go. it's yeah. a good card. It's it's very going to be very interesting. Um, um, yeah. Holy yeah. Moses. So I think the cards that like are going to be like the cards to watch for like historic, like mm-hmm. right off the bat, are going to be Brainstorm and Faithless Looting. Oh, for sure. Faithless like, Looting brings the Phoenix decks back, for sure. Uh, Faithless Looting makes Phoenix work. Uh, mm-hmm. Faithless Looting also makes Hollow One work. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we get... Um, you get the card from... Uh, that just got put into Historic Anthology 4 uh, in uh, Flameblade Adept. Oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. It was in Historic Anthology 4. So... Uh, you get Flamebait Adept, which is one of the core cards of the uh, Hollow One deck mm-hmm. uh, from Modern that would played Faithless Looting when Faithless Looting was legal in that format. Uh, so you get to play that card, and so you get to go, like, turn one, Flameblade Adept, turn two, double Faithless Looting, Hollow One, attack, you know, with Flameblade Adept, who's now... Uh, what plus four plus one plus four plus zero oh. something absurd yeah, yeah it get it gets plus four plus zero oh, because it comes like a five one or a five two uh, or something like that with menace or something mm-hmm. like that and so that's pretty good on like turn two uh, but then like yeah phoenix uh, phoenix decks get uh, something uh, to do uh, in the format which is kind of cool uh, now they granted they already had some stuff that they could use like cathartic reunion and um thrill of possibilities thrill of possibilities so like that but yeah. faithless looting is just so efficient at what it does mm-hmm. that it makes the deck a better deck uh and not to mention guess what else that deck will play brainstorm oh yeah well yeah you might as well yeah bra- brainstorm and fable passage like i i see the historic decks just all running you know, if you're running blue, you run four Brainstorm, four Fable Passage, and build your deck. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So so those cards are going to be good. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that uh, Tendrils of Agony and Grape Shot will be good. Uh, and, yeah, and, probably and I, more Tendrils and Grape Shot, I think. Because uh, Grape I think Shot does one damage, but I, I don't know. I think there's a place for, for Grape Shot uh, somewhere in the format. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tendrils of Agony, I can definitely see in the, the uh, ramp plus Bolasa Citadel style decks. Uh, so yeah. you kind of kind of ramp into Bolasa Citadel, go like you know turn two like Mindstone and like Chromatic Lantern, and then try and drop uh, Bolasa Citadel super early, and then start chaining spells and hopefully to hit a Tendrils so that you can right. refill your life total. You know, or, and then hope. Maybe my, what Mystic Forge, right? Like because it reduces a, man, a mana. Or something? Mystic Forge is probably not the deck for that. Because <laughs> here's the thing, I uh, and I saw um, somebody asking, somebody mentioned that in response to one of Seth's tweets. Okay, yeah. Sorry and, for interrupting you. It just came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Somebody mentioned that in response to one of Seth's tweets, and the comment on that was, "Yeah, but like a lot of those decks just play Aetherflex Reservoir, and that seems like a much more efficient kill." Yeah, that's true. For those decks, for the decks that play like Mystic Forge, because Mystic Forge only casts artifacts. Yeah. So or, or colorless non-land spells. Whereas like Bolas the Citadel, unless you hit a land, you can just keep chaining through your deck. 
Right. Uh, and then, you know, you hit tendrils, and you cast tendrils, and suddenly you're refilled for the next couple spells that you want to hit. You know, so... Uh, I have a feeling it'll be good there. Mind's Desire will probably also be good in the Bolasa Citadel-style ramp deck. Yeah. Uh, but also, we're also getting Weather the Storm. Which so, is wild. So the black-green ramp-ish Bolasa Citadel-style decks will definitely play Weather the Storm. Mm-hmm. Because it also refills your life total. Yeah, uh, it does. So, uh, so, yeah. So I have a feeling that those will be good in those particular form the, the, in the format um inquisition of kozilek will probably definitely see play which is wild that they're yeah. giving us this we have thought sees and now we have iok yeah like come on just just give me the rest of the jund pieces right right now so right I can play jund on arena let's do this uh teferi's protection is legal uh, blew my mind like uh <laughs> chaos warp is legal man Doomblade is legal. Doomblade is legal. <laughs> yeah, we can now go back to the classic Bane Slayer Angel versus Doomblade argument, right? right? Yeah, Primal Command will be legal. Um, Electrolyze. So again, that's another good Phoenix card. Yeah. Uh, Electrolyze. Uh, Stone Rain. <laughs> Stone Rain will be legal. Thank God. Crosin uh, Grip. Crosin Grip. Tezzeret's Gambit. But but the fact we have a split second card. People are going to try countering this. Never played against a split second oh, yeah. before. Like, that's wrong. That's broken. Like, there are going to be so many complaints over that. They're uh, going to get got. Um, Mizzixist Mastery. That's another card that I think will be interesting in the, mm-hmm. uh, like, Faithless Looting, uh, like, Mind's Desire t- style deck. Mm-hmm. Where you want to, like, loot, loot, you know, counterspell, counterspell. What, you know, do, do you want to play a control game? And then late game, you're going to go spell, 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 um, cast Mizzix's Mastery from the graveyard, and have one of those cards you hit be Mind's Desire. Let's see, that's eight mana, right? Yes. Hmm, hold on. Can I do some looking? It's probably, yeah, I, or or it's going to be one of those cards where you're going to want to, well, see, it doesn't work with Omniscience that way. You can't Let's cast, you can't overload with Omniscience. So, you may cast a copy yes. without paying its mana cost. For each card exiled that way. Um, so it, huh. it, it it targets one card by default, but if uh, you overload it, you exile each instant or sorcery from your graveyard, and then you cast all of them. Well, sadly, it does not work with Iron Crag feet because... Uh, yes, yeah, it uh, doesn't, yeah. Yeah, because it says you can cast only one more spell this mm-hmm, turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Darn. it doesn't, doesn't work with Iron Crag Feet, nope. So you kind of have to play it fairly, but I think that's the way to do it. You play a, you know, cheap control game or whatnot, right. keep, their, keep their stuff under control, and then loot it into your graveyard, and then cast it late game with one of those spells you hope to hit being uh, Mind's Desire. So I, I want to hip the world to something here real quick, right? Just to make sure everybody understands. These are the cards that we currently have... In Historic. I'm just going to name them off one at a time. Crucible Worlds. Ramanap Excavator. Yeah. Field of Ruin. Yeah. Ghost Quarter. Yeah. Stone Rain. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a Ponza deck that's brewing there? That would, be, you know, would be great, right? Holy Moses. Oh, oh, and now Primal Command. Yeah. 
because you could you could put their like land on top yeah. of their library and then make them shuffle their graveyard in. And the next turn, you can just regrowth your pile commander. Yeah, regrowth, regrowth, regrowth. Yep. So it, it, um, look, look. If none of you have ever played old school or regrowth is busted, and, and any old format where regrowth was. Uh, it's one a green for a sorcerer. You just get a card back from your graveyard, okay? Yeah. Any card, right? That card was printed in alpha, in beta, and I think unlimited. May have been revised. Can't remember. But the fact that it sat there avoided being added to the reserve list. There was a time that it was on there, I think, and then probably got edited or whatever m- moons later. Anyway. Right. But it was not on the reserve list for all this time. Then it showed up, I think, in Masters 25 or something. Right. As a reprint. And people just glossed over it. And I'm like, oh, holy crap, regrowth. The card right. is so, oh my god, so good. Yeah, it's pretty pretty the, insane. The green is doing busted stuff again. Surprise. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, also of note, uh, Crux of Fate. Yeah, uh, Crux of Fate. Noted for being in uh, Esper Dragons back in the day, but we do have a good, quote-unquote, Black Wrath now, because you can play dragons and then wrath away your opponent's non-dragons. Yeah, yeah. Um, good luck in those mirror matches, though. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, some of these are some of these are super interesting, like yeah. uh, Ephemerate. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Yurion blinking decks and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Ephemerate seems pretty good. Um, I don't just think... get rid of Companions, please? <laughs> Compulsive uh, Research. Compulsive Research, yeah. <gasps> That's another card. Blue Sun Zenith. Yeah. Uh, uh, Urza's Rage. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> yeah, Urza's here, Rage. <laughs> here, here's a few things, right? We talked about the art, right? When I look at the art, like, for instance, Ephemerate. Yes. There's an angel coming in. She's got a sword. Nothing about this tells me that something's blinking. Yeah. Um, It's fine. Like, Day of Judgment looks like, oh, like the world's being blown up. All right, cool. I get that. Yeah. Uh, Blue Sun Zenith is kind of going back, like, to the, like, OG Blue Sun Zenith art. Yeah. Uh, It kind of has that, you know. uh, There's some callbacks in there. Yeah, there's some callbacks, yeah. Um... Oh, yeah, back to Faithless Looting. Like, outside of Faith to, like, a dark deity or something or a dark power, there's nothing that appears to be Faithless or Looting about the card. Yeah. So, like, I I, I get the, the styles are all wild and out there and stuff, but just, you know, sometimes I, I, really, I look at a card and I'm like, what are we doing here? I really like the approach of the second sun art. That's the, really cool. That the the keyhole. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um. Also worth noting, uh, one card that I'm sure is going to end up as because apparently they're going to do historic brawl or they already do historic. I don't know. I don't fire up arena. They historic brawl mm-hmm. or they are going to do historic brawl. But uh, tainted pact is in this set. Yeah. And that's probably just going to get hot banned in that format. Uh, for those who don't do what paint tainted pact does. Uh, it's one in a black for a instant. Uh, you exile the top card of your library. You may put that card into your hand unless it has a, the same name as another card exiled this way. 
You repeat this process until you put a card into your hand, or you exile two cards with the same name, whichever comes first. Um, so, I also have a feeling that we're going to see this. This is a card you're going to see in Historic as well. This is another one to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this uh, lends you to play Lutri as your companion. Uh, yeah. So that you play Singleton. Uh, and then you play um, Thassa's Oracle. Right. Yeah. And so you cast... You... you Put this into pl- you put Thassa's Oracle into play, and then you cast Tainted Pact, and you you um, you just uh, cycle your library. You just exile your whole library. Right, and then yeah. you either play, well, well, actually, you can play it in response to Thassa's Oracle's trigger. Yes, yes, yeah, that's what I'm uh, talking about. Yeah. yeah, or if you have a Jace, um, what the heck was that card from War of the Spark? The, the, the Jace card from War of the Spark. Uh, oh, um, Wilder of Mysteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you have him already out, you, once Tainted Pack resolves, you just tick up Jace and win the game. So, yeah, we have Inverter Combo on Arena now. So, yeah, you're, you're yeah. welcome, everybody. Ugh. So, yeah, you... Um, yeah, and basically what it is, it's a tutor. Yeah. So you can also use this to tutor for your Thassa's Oracle. Sure. Um, so... This could also see, like, so one of the things that, um, we used to see this card in Legacy a little bit here or there, and the decks would be, like, completely singleton, but they would play two Tainted Pact in the list, outside of the singleton aspect, mm-hmm. so that if you needed to, um, to, it doubled your chances of, ca- of of drawing your Tainted Pact, but also, um, made it so that when you cast one, you didn't hit, like, more than one of the others, Right, yeah, the yeah, rest yeah. of your deck was singleton at that point. Yeah, and then you could just put then you could just find the card that you needed with your tainted pack and put it in your hand. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. It's a tutor, but it's such a powerful tutor that um it makes yeah, cuz you don't have to put a card in your hand. You just keep exiling. Right. Yeah. Like you know, so, you know, you could just keep exiling. You could say, "Oh, I don't want this. I'll just keep exiling." And you could just keep doing that. So, it's kind of a dumb card, like, uh, but uh, here's the other fun thing about this card. Do you want to take a guess, Scott, how much this card is in its original printing? Uh, original printing was from Torment? Odyssey. Odyssey. Uh, $80. $84. Yeah. The only reason card. I say that is because uh, John, Medina, John Medina posted yeah. uh, it the other day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah ridiculous and it's a mythic in yep. this yep. Myth, mythical mystical archive and you want to take a guess how many foil copies exist on tcg player right now uh probably more than mercadian mass foil counterspell oh wait or uh no no or probably more than foil um i, I don't know uh i'm gonna say three one one okay i'll take a guess how much it is uh $599. Okay. Blech. Speaking of foil prices, dude, uh, real quick. Foil uh, Bloodstained Mire from Onslaught and Wood of Foothills from Onslaught uh-huh. I have just jumped for yeah. uh, people, people Wizards. Got their sti- people got their stimmies. Yeah, and, and uh, I think what's happening, um, real quick on this, because... 
something I talked about with uh, someone at a, uh, a person that works at a local store. Uh, not going to name names, but because they're not wrong. But it's just that, you know, don't need that getting around, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. What he is noticing, and what I've noticed, and this also happened with the comic book collectible card market, of all things. Uh-huh. Happened a couple months ago, actually. I don't know if things have crashed or people just got what they wanted and now are waiting. Uh, but people are buying older cards and sending them to be graded. Looking for that 9 to 10 uh, grading on a card. Mm-hmm. And then putting it away and using it as a vestment or throwing it up on a website to sell or something for thousands of dollars or whatever. What's happening is that when this started to occur with uh, mat- old magic cards, that was occurring at a okay pace. Then Pokemon jumped on board, and then yeah. we had that Pokemon explosion, right? We still where, have a Pokemon explosion. Right, right, where current stuff is selling out because the Pokemon hype is over, overtaken magic, where Pokemon mm. sells better than magic. Right. Um, and Pokemon had Happy Meals and all that stuff, too. So people are getting those old Pokemon cards, sending them to be graded, while the normal flow of magic cards that were and sports cards and things like that were coming in being graded. Then on top of that were all the old comic book cards from the uh, first run of Marvel comic book cards in 1990. I think they were done by Skybox. Uh-huh. Um, people are looking for their Perfect Ten Spider-Man sell and then wind up selling it or whatever. Um, box prices went from maybe a hundred, couple hundred to like dual land prices overnight. Uh, because that, that market exploded. Then on top of that, here comes magic again. So people are now looking for old foils, uh, reserve list cards that are not dual lands and even cards from older sets like, uh, the original blood moon has spiked from the dark. Um, just as an example. So, like, th- this is nuts. Like, I, I, I get the whole collectability and uh, having it be graded and then selling, like, this uh, ultra-high-rare type of collectible item. But if there's more supply than demand, then how are these cards going to maintain their prices? So... I, I don't know. That's that's why once I'm done with the projects I'm working on, pfft, done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, I, as much as I love getting cards signed uh, and things like that, it's just, you know, I can't keep continuing to build decks and, and all that stuff. It's like, like we talked about, I think, our last week, week before, um, you know, when I play a deck, if for whatever reason a new set comes out and makes that deck maybe not perform as well in a certain metagame because of new cards. Cool, put it on the shelf, take out another deck. Instead of constantly trying to, quote, keep up with the Joneses, as it were. Right. Uh, you know, it, you know. I just played the FNM level, and maybe occasionally a side event at a big event or whatever. Like, I, I know when those big events come back, I am going to want to, like, scratch that itch and maybe not play a main event, but, like go to a multi-day event and do different things over the course of a weekend and then come home and 
sleep like the dead. But the, the way things are now, like, how soon until we get to modern era cards that are being snatched up? Like, I'm talking modern border era, like your Mirrodin cards, your Worldweight cards. People looking for that perfect 10 graded Jace or whatever, right? Right. Like, why? Like, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. And part of the reason that I joined into Magic back when I did, and I kind of wish I was smarter about it back in the 90s, back, back during uh, Revised and the Dark and all that, is because uh, baseball cards were just not becoming interesting to me anymore. Like, instead of just collecting a set, well, now you had to get this thing, and then, well, now there's this other set. It's like, well, no, sure, you got tops, but why don't you get an upper deck? Because upper deck's better card quality, and look at the King Griffey Jr. rookie, and, well, I got my card graded, and, you know, a lot of this stuff is from sports cards. This buzz, this, this hype about getting things graded. Uh, sports cards, comic books are, are the primary things like this. Uh, hell, even toys are graded. Uh, mm. But what's happening is that these things are sent and those companies that work on grading them are so overloaded with stuff that eventually that bubble's going to burst somehow because people aren't going to get their stuff back for a long time. Uh, so they're, if they're trying to put things on eBay early, like, cool, uh, pre-order this uh, Perfect 10 Hulk or Wolverine or whatever from the Skybox set. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows how long it's going to take to get that back. And kudos to Magic for finding ways to reprint cards like Brainstorm, Blue Sun Zenith, Teferi's Protection, Counterspell, you know, Inquisition of Kozilek. All these cards, granted they're in this subset, which kind of also harkens back to sports cards with their various subsets. But they're finding ways to reprint them to put more copies out in the wild. So, say if some random person in our uh, area, like, oh, I'm going to trade in my original Chaos Warp for the new version of Chaos Warp. Well, now there's an original version of Chaos Warp back out in the market. Right. So that that's helping. But... Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, because uh, tax returns are coming. So that's going to be another hit on the collectibles side of things, regardless right. of what you collect, whether it's magic or toys or whatever. So it's just things to keep an eye out on. And, and you know, also getting older kind of, like, is a factor in that, too. Like, if I worked on trying to get everything I ever wanted in magic, by the time I'm done, I'd be dead. It, it's like that meme where the, the guy's chasing money, and as he's chasing money, he gets older and older and older, and then he has all the money, and he's an old man, and he's at the ed, end of the ledge. Mm. Uh, it, it's kind of I'm kind of feeling that, that meme in a way. Because um, I don't play limited, so I don't draft or anything. I'm not going to uh, pack one, pick one, Tezzer's Gambit or whatever. That's just a card I stopped on when I scrolled. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it sucks because I just I want to play, but like things aren't coming out on arena fast enough. Uh, a lot of the older cards I want to play with are drying up. Uh, it's just a weird spot, man. It, it it and I can't play physical cards, and I kind of don't want to invest in Magic Online because a lot of those prices are kind of sideways too. So. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to do that because I, I would rather just own the thing instead of renting. Rental services. Uh, it's so much nicer. You don't yeah, have to worry I, about things. You just play cards. Uh, I don't know. It's a, You don't have to worry about, uh, I spent, you know, blah. You don't have to worry about it. You just play cards. That's all you have to do. You just play cards. It, it works really well. So, yeah. uh, you uh. know, it's good. It's good stuff. Also, we have all access tokens coming in next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually glad that we, I kind of went off on this tangent because I didn't see that in the show notes. Um, yeah. You know, that, as much as I did not use <laughs> my $25 <laughs> wisely, I, I just, well, what I did last time to do this, I bought the rental service or not the rental service bought the uh the token yeah to have all access and all i did was just hang out in the practice room and and play my decks that's all like like that's all i did that's fine um so yeah i don't know i you get to play a little bit that's fine yeah i i did i that seems worth it to me yeah so it was it was a one-time thing got to play uh it was kind of fun oh they're doing it again (laughs) Yeah, and, yeah. and that, that may be the way to go. It, it, like, there are decks that I want to kind of brew around with in Modern now that some of the problem cards uh, are gone. Right. Um, and instead of building it in paper and it not working, I could mess around on Magic Online. Yeah. Uh, and then mess, and do something with it there. Uh, okay. Like, for instance, if we were to look at this, right? The whole rental source, because I'm, I'm junt, right? Uh, that's at least one deck. It... Now, I'd probably have to put in my specific cards just to see how much it would be to rent per week. But that, while the weekly amount doesn't seem like much, you know, that adds up over time. Yeah, but so. you also are given the opportunity to play. Yeah. So you have to also weigh that however much you're spending weekly on it, does it let you play the deck? And then at that point, oh, I get to play. Uh, and is that time that you get to play worth the money? Yeah, and I also don't stream. Like Yeah, uh, but you don't uh, need to stream to, to rent and enjoy playing Magic. Uh, sure, you're, you're so, right. Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't need to, you know, you don't I, need to stream to I don't stream. I don't stream that much. And I think mainly when I do stream, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to seek out doing more of, like, uh, what I've done already, which is something kind of doing the combo stream where right. I'm streaming with somebody and we're just kind of hanging out and having a good time because it kind of makes me feel a little bit better about my, my, a, my anxiety over mm-hmm. playing, uh, magic online leagues, which I'm really bad at, but it also kind of gives me a chance to step out of my comfort zone and try something new, but also have somebody there to chit chat with. Right. At the same time. Well, like, we've even talked about doing stuff like yeah. beyond just cause uh, as far as our podcast is concerned, we're already doing what we wanted to do. Right. We're, we're talking about magic, and if you're listening, awesome. Two thumbs up. You can probably see him on this audio podcast. Um, Scott, you don't have a webcam. Yeah, exactly. I can't even see it. Right. We've, <laughs> we've talked about doing additional things, like Joe has a webcam. I don't yet. Uh, I'm kind of lazy and you know not sure about technology in my old age. You know, I I cool. I turned on my computer. I did it. I recording audacity, like even just getting to that point, Joe has helped me out a lot with just my own, like, Oh, am I going to screw this up? That type of anxiety mm-hmm. with, uh, the podcast. Heck, we even had some audio issues that hopefully have been 
you know, knock on wood, uh, cleared up over the course of now our 38 episodes. Yeah. That, uh, you know, thankfully I have someone like Joe to kind of, you know, let me know if something's up or help me out with it or give me some pointers or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to step out of my comfort zone with that, uh, and, and do something like that. And, yeah. you know, I have thought about streaming and using streaming as a way to fund, like playing magic online and just doing that stuff. But I, I don't know yet. I just, it's like, I'm at the edge of the swimming pool. I got my trunks on and I'm not putting my feet in for mm. whatever reason. There's something blocking me from doing that. So I, I don't know if it's going to be knowing my luck, this is what would happen. I'd get the webcam, and I, I have a Twitch login, right? Get the webcam, get some type of program set up so I can stream, test out, everything's working, get up and running, and then a week later, we get FNM. It's like, oh. so I go through all that, all that anxiety, and get set up and start streaming, and now I can just go play in paper again? Yeah, but you can still do both. I, I know, it's just that that's how things would happen in the universe. Yeah, yeah. So, so but anyway, anyway, um, so so yeah, just just stuff, just ramblings. Yeah, um, um, we should probably talk about actual Strixhaven now. Yeah, because you actually predicted uh, one of the cards that we yeah. that we actually saw, one of the yeah. first previews they gave us. Yeah, and that was um, the MDFC Planeswalkers of uh, Rowan Scholar of Sparks and Will Scholar of Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I'm gonna leave the show notes because these these cards have a lot of text on them. Yeah, um, but I will say this: uh, I think Rowan uh, Scholar Sparks. Uh, I'll talk about her because she's vaguely interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's two and a red for a uh, two loyalty planeswalker, uh, but she has a static ability of instant and sorcery spells. You cast cost one less to to cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's plus one. She deals one damage to each opponent. If you've drawn three or more cards this turn. She deals three damage to each opponent instead, or minus four. You get an emblem with whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell. You may pay two if you do copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, so it's like she's got like kind of like a Mirari emblem essentially. Uh, I think the biggest thing about this card is the the static ability. Yeah. Um, primarily, um, we just keep giving toys to decks like um, Ruby Storm and Legacy, and this is just yet another toy. To Ruby Storm. Yeah, which like, is wild. It's so, it's pretty much like the budget Storm deck, right? Yeah, well, yeah, Ruby Storm keeps getting, like, better and better cards. Like, they've gotten... Mm-hmm. And just in this past year alone, uh, they've gotten uh, Jessica's Will from uh, Commander Legends. Oh, yeah. Oh, which my is, God. Which is yeah. essentially just a better uh, Act on Impulse. But mm-hmm. it's also, like, Act on Impulse, like, 5 through 8. They can now play, like, 6 to six to 8 uh, Act on Impulse effects. Uh, which is pretty good. Um, and then now they also have uh, Burgie, God of Storytelling. Yep, which is um, actually also uh, starting to show up in Modern Storm decks. Uh-huh. That card's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you... Uh, it's not just, like, the front half that's good. Like, the front half of that card is really good. But it's the back half of that card that's insane. Uh, the uh, Harnfell Horn of Bounty that lets you, uh, you discard a card from your hand and you exile the top two cards of your library, and you can play those cards this turn. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Uh, that effect is really powerful. 
so it gets even more powerful when you go to like formats like Vintage. Um, I have a list for that card in Vintage. That's uh, gross. Uh, and it's a um, <laughs> it's it's actually a list I got from uh, my buddy um, uh, Matt Murray, who mm -hmm. uh, is uh, kind he kind of always tends to ch to challenge the status quo a little bit. And that's what I like about him and the list that he comes up with. He's always kind of trying to challenge assumptions uh, about the format. Uh, like, uh, for a while there, there was the assumption that Uro was Stone Cold Unplayable in Vintage. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, there was, a, there was the assumption that this card is Stone Cold Unplayable in Vintage because oh of all God. of the... Because of all of the artifact mana and, you know, all that other stuff. And people found out that you could play this card in four color mid range or rug mid range or you know deathrite shaman decks because right. it was very good there uh, and now you'll only play in like one or two like and even that like most of them play in one because of all the caracas in the format like caracas is a mainstay in in vintage because of cards like lavinia and stuff like yeah. that so but it's like one of those this card where he's one of those people that was like i was playing uro in decks before people kind of really jumped on that because I was trying to challenge people's assumptions that this card is good or not. Like, he's been playing um, a list lately uh, where he's been playing uh, that uh, Saga from Kaldheim, uh, Showdown of the Skulls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, so that card is like a draw four on its first chapter because Exiles the top four cards. But then that second and third chapters where you get to just cast a bunch whenever you cast a spell you put a plus one plus one counter on something mm -hmm. uh imagine that with a card like dreadhorde arcanist uh oh and, and just putting a bunch of counters by casting a bunch of zero drop mana rocks and stuff on and putting counters on your dreadhorde arcanist and then attacking with your dreadhorde arcanist and flashing back something like dig through time with dreadhorde arcanist right or because you can or putting that on your uh, monastery monk tokens. Yeah, yeah, or your monastery mentor. Or, well, Dreadhorde Arcus yeah. works really well because it has trample. Oh yeah. Oh my so, god. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because it starts out as at a one uh, one as three a one three. Yes. Why? I don't right. know, but. So um, this list I have with for uh, Burgi mm -hmm. is a um, it's a kind of like a Grixis, um, Burning Wish deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get to play the classic, uh, you know, Tinker, Bolas, Citadel, you know, nonsense. Uh, and you also get to play, you know, Time Vault and, uh, you know, Keys. And you get to play, you know, Top and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but Burgi, uh, because the deck is a artifact-centric deck that just plays spells to supplement that, kind of like, um, it plays, all, basically it plays a, a pile of restricted cards to right. supplement most of them are blue uh but then you get like three burning wish uh so to supplement it um because the back half of burgie is an artifact uh because harnfell is an artifact mm -hmm. you get to play mistress workshop oh my and you goodness. can and you can cast the back half with mistress workshop so uh and the back half of that and that it's really good in the format like you can go like i will discard a card and I will, um, you know, exile the top two cards of my library. Oh, look, they're both mana rocks that I can cast for basically nothing. Cast both of them. Uh, and it gets better when you get, like, stuff like Sensei's Divining Top into play, where you can, mm -hmm. like, 
order the top of your library so that you can like draw a card that you don't want to ha that you want to get rid of. Discard it to Harnfell, get your top back, uh, and whatever you, whatever was second underneath the top, and get cast recast the top and then recast the other thing, and then cast the other thing, and then you could just keep doing that. It's crazy because the the uh, effect on the uh, the Harnfell doesn't require it to be tapped or any mana. Mm -hmm. So if you go to discard a card, uh, and maybe you're being targeted with a, uh, an effect like Surgical Extraction, you could respond to that with the discard a card effect again yep. to look for a counterspell or whatever. Yep. And the nice thing about these cards is that the, having four Burgies in the deck is mm -hmm. not a downside because you can cast Harnfell and then you can also cast Burgie. Right, right. A and then you have that effect of um, what that does for you in that sense is uh, if you have Mystic Forge out... When you start casting top, top replaces itself. It becomes a way for you to draw your deck with top, with Mystic Forge, by casting, by using the red mana generated by Burgie to recast the top. Right. And that, and oh then you God. just end up in a situation where you're drawing your deck, and then you're inevitably going to find um, your Time Vault, you know, combo. Or, like, you have Burning Wish, and Burning Wish has, like, is basically just a... It's not even like you have grape shot in the sideboard for it to cat for it to hit or whatnot mm -hmm. as one of the spells, but it's mainly a a uh, a silver bullet type finding card. Right. So like, I had a couple games I played with this deck where I was like, I'm gonna hellbent myself and then burning wish and get get balance and then cast balance, <laughs> and then just balance them. Because why not? Yeah, and then they don't have any hand. Like so, yeah, that's. So stuff like that, or like Devastation Tide. Uh, there's also a Karn in the deck because Karn, you know, Karn's restricted. Yeah. Uh, but there is a Karn, so you could Oops. cast Karn and uh, go get Lattice to like lock the game with Karn. Um. So, or like you know, like most vintage decks, you tinker into Bolas as Citadel, and you probably have won the game. Right. Uh, because that's <laughs> guess what? Those are good Magic cards. In, I miss in that playing format. Balance, by the way. The cards cards good. Uh, so yeah, Ro Rowan I think is good for that that reason. I think it's good because it's got that. Um, now it's worth noting that Will has the same static, but Will also costs five on the back, whereas Rowan costs four. Now Will has more abilities on the back because he's you know costs more. Right. But I think Rowan is going to be the big part. I think that's the biggest uh, card of this. Well, kind of like what you mentioned with uh, Burgie a minute ago, uh, these two were designed to where uh, you benefit having both of them in play. Yes. Uh, because on Rowan's side, with the plus one, it's either one damage or three damage if you've drawn three cards this turn. Mm -hmm. Well, you draw one on your draw step, and then on the Will side, his minus three... Is draw two cards. Uh, is draw two cards. Yeah. Um, which I, I kind of wish that was a plus... You yeah, know, just a I plus get it. One. I get it. But but yeah, that would have been just too broken. Yeah. Um, however, there's one thing I've noticed here. Um, well, actually, let me go back to the will before I, I mention another thing. He he does have the up to one target creature has uh, power and toughness. Was it uh, zero, zero two, two until end of turn? So yeah. it's until your like, next turn. Yeah, until your next turn. So it's kind of like a uh, a Jace Telepath Unbound. 
right. type of thing. So that that's kind of neat. Uh, his minus seven is exile up to five target permanents. For each permanent exile this way, his controller creates a 4-4 four, four blue and red elemental creature token. So obviously you want to do this with your things. Right, yeah. But they're permanents, so you can exile your lands. Yeah. Or, or things that, uh, like if you have a uh, War of the Spark Planeswalker with one counter left or whatever. Right, right. So that that's kind of neat. Um, but something I noticed today, just thinking about stuff to talk about on the show and all that stuff. Is it me or are all the blue and white planeswalkers like either male or non-female? I'm talking like monocolor. Like if you think about it, blue is Jace, yeah, Will, and Teferi. 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 Uh, with um, white, you have Gideon and Ajani and. What was the the new one from uh, Basri, uh, Basri Cat? Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, there there's multicolor ones like Narset. You know, will Narset's kinda, blue? Nar- Narset's blue and white. Narset's um, Narset's blue though in War of the Spark. Uh, right, right. She is she is mono blue in War of the Spark. Yeah. Um. So there there's that. But like, if you look at green, red, and black, like black is obviously just. Liliana across the board with a spring. <laughs> yeah. And, and, she kind of is. Hey, guess what? Guess what? Right. <laughs> guess, guess what? She's, she's also in this set too. <laughs> right. right. Uh, she's, she's incognito. Red, red um, is mostly Chandra's. Well, I mean, in black, you also have Omnixless. And, yeah, but uh, nobody cares about was, Omnixless. Was the one from uh, Commander Legends. Uh, nobody cares about Omnixless. Well, no, not it wasn't Omnixless. It no, was, but uh, I mean, nobody cares about Omnixless. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but there, but most of the mono black planeswalkers that have been made have yeah. been um, have been Liliana. Yeah, red has Rowan, Jaya, Chandra. Uh, green mostly has, Chandra. Mostly Chandra. Yeah, mo- mostly Chandra. Uh, Tamio uh, in blue. Yeah, yes, that's true. There is Tamio. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it just it seems like when people first think of what is a blue planeswalker. Uh, Jace, yeah, was a black planeswalker Lily. It's and here we are, so far removed from Lorwyn, right? That we're still kind of here with this thought pattern of blue and white and uh, just the, the monocolors in regards to planeswalkers. And how does Wizards change that perspective in some way? Like, uh, and I wonder if due to the ubiquitous the Cards being so ubiquitous that people hate on blue-white control decks is because it's Jace and Gideon and Teferi and, you know, the, it's male-dominated from... And this could be a subconscious thing, too, right? It's male-dominated. I don't, I don't it's, say it. I don't it's know. It's always saying no. Uh, it's it's just a thought. I don't, yeah, I, I don't really see that, but okay. Yeah. So. I mean... I, I wouldn't be surprised if on a subconscious level that could be why. Um, also of note, to kind of flip that coin over, the Planeswalkers in, that are known to be black, red, and green, your Lilianas, Chandras, and Nissas, there's a lot of passion, a lot of energy. Uh, Garouk! Well, yeah, I mean, Garouk. true, but I, I mean, I'm just, just thinking of, of the ladies, right? Garouk! 
But yeah, Garouk's Gr- got to be in there too. Yeah, um, Garouk. So I don't know. I just I I find the dichotomy between both sides kind of interesting. And again, I could be way off base. It may not be that important. Nahiri and White. Man, well, yeah, it's true. Yeah, she was in white, but yeah. she's also in red. Yeah, okay, sure. But so, yeah. At one point, she was white, Sarah. Oh yeah. See, a lot of these planeswalkers and these ancillary products. The Wanderer. Uh, I, I kind of forget about that. Yeah, the, the Wanderer is female. Well, we are we going to do anything with the Wanderer? There's also. I have uh, a feeling they are going to do something with her at some point. Yeah, because people are like, "Oh, it's Emrakul as a person." It's like, uh, no, it's come on. Uh, okay, so um, so we've got so let's let's talk let's talk about Strixhaven more. Um, yeah, yeah, got, yeah. We got, more, more Strixhaven. We, we got we got Will stuff. we got Will and Rowan here, um, yep. and uh, of course you know, the last time we saw Will and Rowan was Eldraine. Yeah. Uh, now this takes place timeline wise, uh, after they have spent a lot of time on the plane of Kylem. Which is the plane for Battlebond. Uh, okay. So, uh, according to like the first story, there's a lot of references to that the time that they've spent on Kylan. So this takes place further in their timeline. Eldraine is when they first spark. Uh, is when Will and Rowan first first spark into Planeswalkers. Right. Right. Yeah. That that was their origin story. Yeah, yeah. That was their origin story. This is like them after that. And they are, you know, now much more accomplished at their spell casting or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, they've been sent to Strixhaven uh, in the first story, and we don't really know why. But we've been, they've been sent to Strixhaven by another planeswalker that was revealed uh, on the stream, and that is Kazmina. Uh, and we kind of called that Kazmina was going to be in this set. We kind of had a, an idea that she was going to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been pushing her there's been this there, every little bit, bit there there's a there's this push here of her character of what we saw in war of the spark and a background story for her that involves the fact that she is part of some sort of um ancient order of planeswalkers or whatnot that are basically recruiting other planeswalkers for something we don't so know what cult. yeah we don't know what it's it's yeah. probably something bad like it's not something good especially given that her training methods for what she calls embers which are people that are have the potential to spark but have not sparked yet mm-hmm. involve directly involving them in traumatic events that could make them spark she right. literally forces them to spark so whatever Kazmina is doing here is not good she's kind of got them under her thumb a little bit and she's apparently a teacher at Strixhaven. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, with yeah. the yeah, uh Kazmina Enigma Sage mm-hmm. uh is the name of the card. Yep. And yeah, she definitely has uh teacher or professor vibes. Yes. Like there there's an owl uh or what it, appears to be uh, an owl which is uh, called uh, a what is this a factal? Fractal. Fractal. It's, a, it's actually apparently her familiar of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Based on with, what uh, I read in the story. Right. Uh, with, so, which is common imagery uh, used when talking about, like, powerful wizards, knowledge, right, right. wisdom. So she's kind of strange. She's uh, one mm-hmm. green-blue. Uh, she has two loyalty coming in. Uh, but she has a static ability of each other planeswalker you control has the loyalty abilities of her. 
Uh, That's wild. It's that so, that it's, ability it's right there is just yeah. very strange. Uh, she's plus two scry one. Minus X, you create a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token. You put X plus one plus one counters on it. And then minus eight, you search your library for an instant or a sorcery card that shows the color with this planeswalker. Exile that card, then shuffle. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. So that one really ties into like the other ability where each your other planeswalkers get her abilities mm-hmm. where you can get something that is non-green or non-blue with that. But... It's it's an interesting card. I will give I I like the idea of it. I think it's a cool build around for sure. Yeah, I I think they were careful with this one, especially with the feedback from Oko Thief of Crowns. Yeah. Because you look at the abilities, they all seem powerful, but she only has a two starting loyalty. Yeah, and um, she really depending on wanting to build this around a planeswalker centric deck. Right. Which like, feeds back into her lore flavor aspect of her being a recruiter of planeswalkers which exactly. i love that that's great let's take a look at uh to fairy master of time from oh, uh, no. Magic 2021 no think about it think about it, right yeah that's that's, so you, uh, that's insane you'll be able you, to you have you have both these on the field at the same time right yeah so on your opponent's turn instead of using the plus one on fairy you can plus her, plus and scry. Draw card, then, scry yeah, yeah. You scry. You look for the answer you want to draw on the begin at the beginning of your next turn. So you're increasing the loyalty on fairy more so than you would if it was just a fairy by himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just that alone uh, is almost enough to get me up off the couch. Uh, I I'm not a fan of uh, mixing my green and my blue. Uh, it's just, just not, not my bag. Sorry. Mm. Uh, but no, th- this is a... I think it's a powerful card. I don't know if it'll see a lot of play outside of standard. Yeah. But uh, who, who knows? I mean, let's play it out. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Right? Uh, so let's talk about Lily... Oh, wait. Uh, Professor Onyx. Uh, so right. for those that don't realize, look at this card and go, Oh, Professor Onyx. Uh, you know, she's four black black, but she is a legendary planeswalker, Liliana. Uh, Seems sus. Liliana Vess is on Strixhaven. Uh, yep. Well, uh, okay, not on Strixhaven. Let, let, let me put, put, go back. Strixhaven is set on a plane called Arcavios. Uh, and that's where the Strixhaven College is located. Is this plane, uh, if we measure from Ravnica... Is this plane nine and three quarters planes away from Ramnica? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Okay. But anyways, uh, so according, like, okay, so this is all going to kind of like, kind of poke at like the story. I'll talk a little bit about that uh, yeah. as well. But um, our Liliana kind of pro- features a little bit in the story, the first story, uh, whatnot. And so, yeah, Liliana is here. Uh, she is teaching uh, for the Witherbloom College. Uh, obviously, yeah, mm-hmm. she is a, you know, black aligned mage. And, uh, I just don't, based on what I know of the different colleges in this, uh, Silver Quill does not seem like her bag. Uh, Witherbloom see, kind of seems like her thing because it's all about like raising the dead and, you know, that sort of stuff. And that's something obviously she has some experience with. Oh, that, that's true. Um, yeah. I think she's part of the Golgari College. Yes, yeah. Then, no, the it's, con- College. It's, it's confirmed. Yeah, she's she's part of the Witherbloom. She's oh, okay, she's, te- she's teaching for the Witherbloom College, uh, cool. and 
course, she's there under an assumed name uh, because she doesn't want to give her real name as, you know, renowned. Because here's the thing. Okay, this is the one thing that they do explain about Strixhaven uh, as a college and Arcavios as a plane is that typically on a lot of these planes that you come across, uh, planeswalkers and the concept of planeswalking are not typically common knowledge on a lot of planes. Right. A lot of people don't really know what planeswalkers are. Uh, and planeswalkers aren't really inclined to like, you know, like Kaldheim was a set where we were like, where a lot, a lot of the people that we ran across in the storyline were like, what are planeswalkers? I don't understand this. Like, it's not, it's not in their vocabulary and they don't understand it. So are we going to have a planeswalker civil war where there's a planeswalker registration act? We already had that, Scott. That was called War of the Spark. No, <laughs> really wasn't we already a had a planeswalker war, Scott. No, 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 no. no, no. I, I, I mean that because people don't know planeswalkers, so if they like reveal their secret identity to make sure that that wasn't you know, where I go I was going with this, Scott, at all. I, I know, I know, that wasn't where I was going with this at all. Uh, Arcavios and Strixhaven are a is a plane and the school to an extent uh, because it is such a large repository of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, they are more than well aware of the multiverse they are more well aware that there are creatures called planeswalk beings called planeswalkers that can move in between the worlds and they are more than well aware of stories that come from these other worlds uh so liliana is banking on the fact that nobody directly recognizes her by you know she changed her hair her dress you know all that stuff and as teaching under an assumed name to make sure that nobody recognizes her as renowned wanted fugitive criminal Liliana Vess. Right. Yeah, I mean, she is wanted by, you know, the Peruns of Ravnica, you know, for her actions, even though she redeemed herself in Gideon's eyes by fighting against Nicobolus, she still caused a lot of damage and a lot of death. And so she she's, did. she's trying to atone for that by using her, you know, her powers and her abilities to teach. Uh, which is kind of cool. I, I give like they they're really pushing Liliana's story in a in an interesting new direction, and I like that a lot. It, it is, but is she still going to be evil? Please say yes. I, I like. I, I don't think Liliana was ever evil. Like that's the thing. Like Liliana was not a classic evil character. She was a classic black character, and black is not always evil. Black is selfishness. And you know, me first, me first. Uh, and yeah, I she, get it. But... She was always about that because it wasn't evil that drove her; it was her desire to not die. Right. It was her her desire to not not have to pass, you know, on the age of time. You know, she wanted she wanted to always be powerful. She wanted to never die and wanted to always have her power because she was a premending walker. Right. Yeah, and so she had all this power, and then she lost it with the mending, and she was going to lose her life, and she didn't want that. So now that she's free of that, you know, she's conflicted because because of the influence of Gideon, who, you know, gave his life for her, you know. And, of course, you know, there's a couple cards that they showed. Um, one of the cards that, we'll talk, that we talk about... Uh, is Liliana, you know, staring into a mirror, recreating the scene 
of her trying to fight Nicol Bolas and Gideon using his powers to accept her curse mm-hmm. or whatnot. And, you know, her, the flavor text is, you know, why Gideon? Of all people, why save me? And so I think they're really trying to push the idea that black doesn't always mean evil. Uh, and, we, and that's something we always known about, you know, how black works in the color pie and magic. There have been a plenty of black aligned characters that have not been evil in the, in, you know, uh, go back to uh, Kamigawa, uh, Toshiro, you know, Umazawa, you know, oh, sure. was a black aligned character. He was a self-serving bastard. But he was not evil. He was just in it for himself and in it for the money. You know, that sort of thing. So I, I think Liliana's the same way. And I, I like what they're doing. I think it's a good I think it's a good push for her character. Um, yeah, I, I do want to find out more like of why she's gone the whole Clark Kent I'm wearing glasses, I'm yeah. Superman. <laughs> well you know I, I think that's because hi what what better place to hide than in plain sight at a wizard college? That that's true, and you know, yeah. I, I so uh, Liliana is also one of the cards, and we'll talk about the other card that did this. But it's also one of the cards that made the card Chain of Smog uh, go up in ridiculous amounts of price. Uh, and uh, so yeah, that's that's fun time. Uh, yeah. So uh, Liliana is a, a six mana walker, uh, and she has uh, five loyalty. But she also comes with a static ability, and it's a static ability that's one of our keyword, well, one of our ability word mechanics mm-hmm. for uh, Strixhaven, and that's Magecraft. And Magecraft says whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, you do something. Uh, in this case, uh, that something is each opponent loses two life, and you gain two life. So her, her Magecraft ability is Tendrils of Agony, essentially. Uh, so whenever you cast or copy an instant spell, you, know, you you do this. Uh, so, Chain of Smog, for those that don't know, is one in a black. It's sorcery. Uh, target player discards two cards. That player may copy the spell and choose a new target for that copy. Uh, so, basically, what you do is you target yourself with this in play, and then you just keep retargeting yourself uh, until they're dead. Until everybody's dead. Right. Uh, so, uh, she has uh, plus one. You lose one life. Uh, look at the top three cards of your library. You put one under your hand and the rest in your graveyard. Uh, minus three, each opponent atta- sacrifices a creature with greatest power among creatures that player controls. Uh, and minus eight, each opponent may discard a card. If they don't, they lose three life. Repeat this process six more times. Her, pr- her minus eight is Torment of Hailfire for seven. Right, which is <laughs> crazy because... That particular ability is uh, a card that uh, showed Nicol Bolas on it. Right. And with her, like... Um, Having beat up Nicol Bolas. Well, well, well with her um, betraying... That's what yes. I'm looking for. Yes. Holy cow. With her betraying Nicol Bolas, the fact that she has taken one of his signature moves mm-hmm. and is now using it, that, I, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, I, the, the card's not bad for a six-mana lily. It's, no, it's not bad. I, I, I don't know. It'll like, see it'll see plenty of play in EDH. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I, I, absolutely. Uh, so as far as uh, Magecraft is concerned, uh, there's a couple cards we saw. I'm not going to go into all of them. Uh, right. Because it's interesting. Yeah, the only card that really is worth mentioning, there is a cycle of Magecraft apprentices 
for each of the colleges. Uh, but the one that stands out the most is Witherbloom Apprentice. Because, yeah. again, it is a green-black, and that's all it costs is green and a black for a 2-2 with Magecraft whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell. Each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. So it's half a Tendrils of Agony, but this is a two-mana card that now combos with Chain of Smog. Uh, so, yay. Um, somebody also pointed out that there's also, um, out of the chain cards, uh, there's also Chain of Acid. Uh, and that's a card that you can cast on, um, Darksteel Citadel. Uh, because it's a three and a green for a sorcery. Destroy target non-creature permanent. Then that permanent's controller may copy the spell and choose, may choose a new target for that copy. Oh, yeah. So you can just continually recast it on your, copy it onto your Darksteel Citadel. <laughs> and it never gets destroyed, so you just keep doing it. Uh, so all the Magecraft cards have that issue, but I don't think it's a big enough issue because, like, when I first put together, like, I, I first theorycrafted a, a list for Legacy with Witherbloom Apprentice mm -hmm. uh, and Chain of Smog, I realized that you have to have... Some way of having a mana, mana, the mana advantage in there. So you have right. to have Elvish Spirit Guide. You have to have like Lotus Petal, you know that sort of thing. Um, you have to have some way to protect your your combo. Uh, yep. So you have to have like Veil of Summer uh, or like Thoughtseize, you know that sort of thing. You have to have a way to find Witherbloom Apprentice. So like either like Once Upon a Time or like Green Sun Zenith. Or whatnot. Or uh, Recruiter of the Guard. Or, yeah, something like that. Like, you have to have a... Well, that puts you in white, though. Like, okay. if you want to stay, like, strictly in green-black, like, you could do that. Uh, but you have to have ways to find stuff. You could also go into Bug, and you could play Personal Tutor to get Chain of Smog. Because that's the other thing. Like, you have to have Chain of Smog in your hand, too. Right. So, and then there's also, the like, the, the notion that, like, your opponent can just let you start doing it and then wait till you have no hand and then counter your copy. It's really fragile. Or they can wait till you have no hand and then bolt or plow your guy. That's like, true. Like, there's just, it's so fragile. Uh, so... Uh, right, but then, if, if that's the case, if it's so fragile, right, then uh, why... In all of Lord Ao's creation, is Chain of Smog like a almost a twenty dollar uncommon? EDH. But EDH. Uh, okay, EDH. Right. Because the Liliana version of that kill in EDH is a lot more realistic. Because of the fast mana available in EDH. Uh, true, and you, and could, you can't you can't bolt or path. Right, you uh, could you could Liliana. turn one or turn two Liliana. Easily in 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 EDH in, in, in CEH. easily. Well, yeah, okay. Like if you wanted to build an EDH deck that did it, you yeah. could you could do it. Yeah, you and you could do it with even just you know Soul Ring. Like you don't even have to be like full CEDH to do this. You can just play Dark Ritual and Cabal Ritual, and you know you can play you know Soul Ring. You can play turn one Soul Ring with a land, and then go mm -hmm. turn two land Dark Ritual Liliana. Okay. Like that's that's a thing you could do, and that's not even like being like C E H E. That's just playing a card that is a mana ramp card that you might not ever play in E D H, but you do because it mana ramps out this card. 
And, and granted, in that format, everything's a singleton, but there's all sorts of tutors from... Yes. Uh, Imperial Tutor. Imperial Seal. Uh, you know, or, yeah, Imperial Seal, Vampiric Tutor. tutor demonic Tutor. Demonic or, Tutor. Yeah. So there's so many cards that find, things, find things in black. Yeah. Finding them is not that difficult. Uh, and so I... I think that's mainly it. People are just really hype on, like, the EDH aspect of the card. And I don't think it'll hold. Um, well, I mean, it's too late now. That card's never going down. Oh, no, it will price. never it will never be back at yeah its original price. But Right. And and it's just, it, it's a... It might, it, I think it settles at, like, $10. Yeah, but it constantly happens, though, this overreaction by the commander crowd. Like, oh... Those card, those two cards would cause an instant win. I'm gonna buy them all, and it's like, come on, just just stop. Right. Like, like, you know, I I know people don't like to get uh, made fun of or poked fun at or whatever, but when you continue to do this, and then people poke fun at you in your format, you know, it's a a behavior somewhere has to change at least one, right? Right. And it's like, you know, this constant insta buyout of stuff where it's, you know, I was actually, someone mentioned today on Twitter of all places uh, that they're not seeing opposition agent being played in EDH. Yeah. This is just not happening. Yeah. And I, I get it, but it's like, you know, we need to, and I, I think I've, another thing I, seem to constantly mention we just need to let stuff play out stop mm-hmm. just jumping on things right away like the the fomo is just so real and you know and, and sure there are people out there buying them all up hoping to make money off them i i get that but you know if you notice that how about this don't buy it mm. then, then that way those people spent their money foolishly foils foils are pretty you expensive know. now yeah, that is like one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, for an uncommon. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, granted, like, uh, we'll talk about foil prices and stuff like later here. But uh, so the other mechanic that we should talk about uh, oh, is boy. learn. Yeah. Uh, and learn is actually learn is really weirdly interesting. So the way learn works is that uh, any card that says learn says you may reveal a lesson card you own from outside the game and put it into your hand or discard a card to draw a card. So your your default on this is if you don't have a lesson to put in your hand, um uh you dredge. You just yeah, you just draw a card. You, well, you discard a card, you draw a card. You rummage. Yeah, you you, di- you discard your stinky dimp and then you dredge. I don't think any of these are good in dredge, Scott. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. First day of class is not a good card in dredge. It's not. It's not. No, it's not. It it really is not. Hasty narco me boy. No. With it's a two two. Come on, man. Come on. No, it is not good. It that is that is way. If I'm gonna spend two mana on something in dredge, it's gonna be life from the loam, or it's going to be cathartic reunion. Four two Icarids. Get in there, boys. Uh, Not even in legacy dredge. If I'm spending more than one mana on something in legacy dredge, I've lost the game. Yeah, I I know. know. (laughs) Everything in legacy costs one, Scott, for that deck. Wait, wait, wait. But if we played Goblin Electromancer, that reduces the mana No, I I know. Now, (laughs) wait, wait. Joe disconnected. What happened? Lord is actually, it is pretty interesting, though. Uh, So, obviously, by what this means is, like, in competitive formats... 
uh, well, in tournament formats, non-casual formats, right. uh, you uh, put it into play from your sideboard. I, I actually haven't heard how they're handling this mechanic with from EDH's standpoint. From what I understand, uh, due to there not being any sideboards, yeah. you just discard a card, draw a okay. card. Okay, that makes sense. That's fine. To me, yeah. that's fine. Like, uh, if you want to play with sideboards in EDH, talk to your player group, whatever. Don't, nobody gives a crap. That, right. that format's just like that. Whatever. No, that's if, how it should if, be. If you, want to talk, if you want to do it, just fucking do it. Uh, I don't care. Right, right, uh, right, right. But, uh, like, so the lessons are all, like, it's lessons of subtype of, um, I think, both instants and sorceries. Yeah, yeah, they're colorless. Well, there's some they're... colorless ones. There's some non-colorless ones. I haven't seen no. one. I haven't seen one that's an instant yet, though. So maybe there isn't any ones. All I've ones I've seen have been sorceries. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, so... I just see. I'm looking here on on uh, So one of the ones. Oh yeah. There. There's one that's yeah. A one, one of the ones that they okay. revealed yeah was was pest summoning, which is uh, Golgari colored for Witherbloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, one that we talked about earlier, which is um, confront the past. Uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's X and a black. You choose one, you return target Planeswalker card with mana value. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second, too. Mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Or you right. remove twice X loyalty counters from target Planeswalker and opponent controls. So bring back one of your Planeswalkers or kill their planeswalker. Right, yeah. Uh, so mana value, we'll talk about, is the replacement for converted mana cost. I'm, I'm okay with this. It just lets them tighten up their language on cards. I'm always, hmm. I'm always a fan of... Things that like let them uh, use less text on cards. I'm uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. I'm sorry, I actually forgot this earlier. Let's go back and take a look at natural order real quick. Okay. Did you did you see the updated text on that second part for natural order? Uh, the search your library part. Yeah, you search your library for a green creature card and put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. No, it says oh, then, then shuffle. shuffle. Oh, okay. Oh, How yeah. clean is that? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I like I like that they're doing that. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. There's some of these, um, but there is a cycle of colorless ones that we've seen. Uh, some of those are dumb. Um, the introduction to prophecy one, uh, scry tooth and draw a card for three colorless. Yeah, and it's a common. So thank you, Poppertron. Right. Uh, I just I just think they should ban all the Tron lands from that format. It's a garbage format until Tron dies in that format. But, you know, that's just Tron me. did nothing wrong. No, no, in that format it did. That format, it's literally the most garbage thing to ever play against. Yeah, but then it probably just becomes an all-aggro format. I, I don't... Ugh. No, I think there's interesting decks to play. It's just that Tron just kind of, like, steamrolls everything. Yeah, I, so, I get it. So. I get it. But yeah, like the the lessons like seem either at cost or overcosted for some of their abilities. Like expanded anatomy, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. It gains vigilance until end of turn. Yeah, like they they, they seem more limited fodder. There's um, also introduc- a, there's also a little icon. They also use the the um, the circular icons on those yeah. to kind of let you know that it's a lesson. Uh, yep. So that if you have it in like your sideboard or something like that, you know it's a lesson. Uh, but you can play these things main deck too. You don't have to play them in your sideboard to just use them. Like you can play them main deck too. So that's also kind of like, well, okay, cool. Right. Um, I I think this is kind of an expansion of the companion idea. Yeah, it's like companion for spells. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
we were yeah. wrong about the land cycle. And, and look, I... Uh, we did not get the land cycle right. Uh, that we yeah. we, call, we called either the cycling lands or the the tangle lands, and they gave us the reveal lands, which I was like, Neh. yeah. The, but, but they the, gave them all the, cool names like snarl. You know, all they're all snarls now. Yeah, they're they're all snarls, which is like okay, I get it. Like the two colors are learning how to work together. Uh, like that, I, that's, yeah, that seems I, to be I, the thing. I don't think that this is about well, that, and that's the thing. Like. We already kind of know already, um, based on kind of some of the lore aspects of this set, that this set is not about how the two colors complement each other. It's about how they are opposite from each other. Right, yeah. right. Like, they're, they're opposite from each other, They but they both have the same goal, but achieve it differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so that, that's why they're snarled. Yeah. We got, um, we, got, which... we got one of the Elder Dragons... Uh, right, which is there's so there's, I'm not going to read this card. There's too much text on this card. Uh, yeah, it's totally a political EDH. <laughs> yeah, card, it's a political but... EDH card. Yeah, you've never played this card in one v one, but well, no. you would actually. No, I will say this: you would because um, your default to your opponent is just letting them draw a card and losing a life. Right. Yeah. Because like, you're in those colors, you're going to have answers to whatever they. Do. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's probably a pretty sweet bomb in, in like limited. Where you're just like, here's my two five flying double strike, that right. that puts a counter on every creature I control every turn, you know, <laughs> you know. So that's pretty good. Uh, that that's kind of awkward. We got actually. we yeah. got all of the deans. All of the deans are double face cards, um, which is interesting because I like that idea. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, and I think that's pretty neat. So all the deans of the colleges are all. Uh, double face cards. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got uh, we also got to find out what our new evergreen mechanic is, uh, and that is ward. Uh, and ward is a basically it says ward and either a mana cost or they also said there could be non mana cost ward uh, triggers as well. Uh, right. So and it's basically whenever this so like the one we most commonly saw in this one was ward two. Uh, whenever this creature becomes this target of spell or ability and opponent controls, counter it unless it player pays two. Or, right, kind of like the ability on Frost Titan. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like it. It's neat. It's I, I do too. I like, like it a lot. It's it's cool. Well, I mean, Magic's gotten rid of... Um, what was it? They got rid of Regenerate. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they use Indestructible too much anymore unless it's like Indestructible only for this turn or from a spell effect. Right. Um, and I think the next to go might be Hexproof. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. And I think Ward's a fine replacement for that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's unique enough and interesting. Where was the one card that I want? I was trying to find it in this. Maybe it's not in this particular set. Um, maybe it was in the Commander set. Because that's, that's like we've had some Commander stuff. Oh, yeah, so they also spoiled some Commander stuff, uh, too. For this set, for the the um, oh oh yeah the uh, the face commanders yeah the face commanders and the one that I just want to point out because of the creature type is uh, Brina the demagogue. We have our very first legendary bird warlock. <laughs> we sure do bird warlock. Also, uh, I feel really bad for whatever editor flubbed uh, Zephy Thunder Conductor. Uh, because in the uh, text of it, it refers to the card as Zephi Thunder Collector instead yeah. of Thunder Conductor. 
Uh, yeah, I feel bad for that editor. It's about as bad as the boat blocking the Suez Cant channel. Uh, <laughs> 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 about as bad. Uh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, so there are some well cool. Done, there's sir. some cool cards in there. Um, nothing that really stood out to me. Uh, there was that one card that you linked up. Um, that uh, Boros. Well, <laughs> I should say Boros. Lorehold uh, guy. Uh, that giant. It's Boros. It's Boros. Uh, it's that that guy. And I like that they're giving that color the that color identity uh, some more interesting stuff to do than rather being all about attacking. Yes. And I like that a lot. Like seeing like an artifact centric. Uh, function on a on a red white card is kind of nice. Um, yeah, see, it's an interesting see, ability. Like see, I, seeing a simic card that cares about tokens. Yeah, well, I mean, is interesting. I, I think they've done that before with simic. Just yeah, like but with, not like this. Like it's like not like the yeah. not like the like green has had like double season and like parallel lives. So it's definitely within green's color identity. But we've never had a simic card that you know says you know that does the you know, twice that many tokens. Well, well same with, uh, same with uh, the Boros colors. Like, uh, they've done that before with, like, uh, having artifacts be important or be part of a sump theme or something. But this does seem to push that a little harder. Yeah. But I still would like them to do something even different. Like, when, when it thought is like, let's do something for this color combination, but not attacking. Yeah. Cool. Artifacts. No, let, let's do something different. Let's have a Boros Spellslinger. Yeah. Right? Can, can we do something like that? Yeah, or, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. So, so you know, we we got to be patient. We'll see more so. We'll see more of the set come this next week. I think they said they were going to devote, um, I think, like, every day this week was going to be devoted to a different college. Yeah, um, that's what I heard, too. Yeah, so um, so for those who don't know, the, um, the Strixhaven World, well, the Stri- well, okay, the World of Arcavius, the Strixhaven College is separated into five uh, sub-colleges. Uh, we have mm-hmm. Lorhold, we have Prismari, uh, Quandrix, uh, Silverquill, and Witherbloom. Uh, I, I have to admit uh, that just based on my, like, limited, like, looking at, like, the... Like, I, I love, like, the Golgari aesthetic, and I think the Witherbloom aesthetic is really cool. Um, I like that Prismari cares about elementals, uh, because that's, like, one of my favorite creature types. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really neat. But I also really, really, really dig the overall aesthetic of Quandrix. I think it's so such a cool departure from what you normally see on blue-green cards. Because, uh, you know, blue-green cards are, you know, you think Simic. You think, you know, things that, you know, are kind of nature plus, you know, intellect. Right. And, and there's like some type of experimentation. experimentation. You're dealing with plus one counters. And these... The, the aesthetic on the Quandrix stuff, because of what their college is about, so their college is about the fact that um, magic is all nothing but math and nothing but numbers. Yeah. Uh, and so their literal, their little tagline, and I think it's cute that they have taglines for these colleges. I think that part is cute. I love it. Their tagline for Quandrix is math is magic. And I just like, that's really really swell like they just look like they're happy mad math nerds and i love it i love it like they're I, they're analytics they got that... me with so i wasn't that excited for this set but they got me with the lore stuff is what they really got me with in the set okay i have to give them the credit they got me with the lore the lore aspect of this 
And 90% of that is because they brought back Will and Rowan. I'm not going to lie. Like, they brought back two of my favorite characters. I love Will and Rowan. They're really cool. They're really interesting characters. Um, so they had their first week of story this week. Uh, with, oh, with, oh, wow. Yeah, Already? We have our first week of story. Okay. There's, there were two stories this week. There was a, uh, a main story. This is what they've been doing is they do a main story on Wednesday, and they do a uh, side story you know, article on Friday. Uh, All right. The side story article was really good, and I have to give them a lot of credit for it because it gave a really interesting representation for orcs that is much different than what you normally expect at the race uh, because it has to deal with a uh, orcish... Uh, Prismari uh, mage who is struggling with uh, her um, not like her work but struggling with trying to find her identity and what she wants to do with her magical mm. career essentially uh, and she is typically su- studying underneath um, let me find her here uh, sh- shoot I lost her Where'd she go? Where'd you go? Okay, so she's normally st- studying under Uvilda, uh, the Dean of Perfection. Uh, and uh, Uvilda, uh, she, her family, this girl's family, um, her name is Rutha, uh, is very prominent or whatnot in the magical community of Arcavios. And her mother is a very prominent alumni of Prismari. And so it's kind of one of those, like, situations where you know she's kind of resentful of her mother because of the fact that she kind of has to follow in her mother's footsteps and be in prismari and actually you know do these things when she kind of just wants to do her own thing or whatnot she doesn't want to do all this perfection stuff she's kind of wild and does wants to do interesting magic or whatnot that's kind of more expressive so you know what you know what's neat about that? Hmm. Just just that story beat right there that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. Like that's gonna relate to so many people yeah. that are like your age and younger. I that probably relate to people my age too, but definitely like your age and younger because I'm sure they've gone through that exact scenario yeah. where Oh yeah. Like, you know, they've done all the schooling, they've or, done what's been expected of or them. Or they or they have a parent that was part of the same you know, thing, and they did something really cool. You know, the parent did something, you know, really cool. And, of course, you know, you feel obligated to live up to that legacy. Right. You know, that sort of thing. So in the story, she's uh, pretty much um, kind of egged on here or there by Nasari, who is the Dean of Expression for Prismari, uh, who is a... Who, the, the, the dichotomy of these two characters is, Ovilda is a djinn, uh-huh. and, and Nasari is an afrit. Which is awesome, especially with the D&D set coming up. Yes, yeah. Oh my god. And so Nasari kind of pushes her in the direction of, um, you know, trying to express herself in more red ways. And, mm-hmm. and use her magic in more wild magic ways or whatnot. And what really got me about that story was um, the last couple lines in the story... Uh, you know, she's, you know, talking to him because she's, she's created this thing that's like real wild magic, but she can see the art in it. You know, it looks chaotic at first, but she can see the lines and she can see where if she adjusts this, then it becomes, you know, something new and different. And it looks, 
interesting and it's got this artistic quality to it or whatnot. And um, she's talking to the Dean, talking to Nasari, and she's asking him, like, why do you, why did you, you know, do this? Why, why are you, you know, so interested in me? I'm not really anything. Why do you want to deal with me? And um, Nasari just kind of responds, because I believe in long-term investments. <laughs> and you're like, ah, okay, I get the story beat now. That's cool. Like, that's well done. Nice. Like, well done, wizards. Uh, so the story was well done. The first main story uh, was very interesting. Uh, it gave us a nice setup of the world. It gave us the setup of Will and Rowan leaving Kylem, going to Arcavios and meeting with Kazmina. You get the setup of Liliana uh, to kind of see where she's at and what she's doing. She gets confronted by somebody in a mask on campus, no less. <laughs> in the library, no less. Is it the Raven Man? No, it's this... Um, there's this... They set up this sort of thing where there's potentially this uh, this sub-faction of either within the school or outside of the school on Arcavios what, that call themselves the Orik. And they're kind of like a like a secret society type thing, and he claims to know who she is. So we get that kind of aspect of Liliana being like, uh, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? You know who I am? Like, uh, no, I'm I'm Professor Onyx. Like, you know, right. and, and you know, so let's get that. And of course, like before anything could come of that, like he like disappears or whatnot. Um, but we get to see Will and Rowan, uh, cool, fun story tidbit for Will and Rowan. So at the very end of Throne of Eldraine storyline, uh, Throne of Eldraine storyline ends with, ends with, uh, Will and Rowan sparking. That's their origin story. whatnot. That story also includes another character in it, uh, which is Garuk Wildspeaker. Uh, and at the tail end of the story, after Will and Rowan have sparked, Garuk tells, the Kenrith family, you know, Will and, you know, um, I forget the mom's name at this point. Lanessa, I think it was. Le uh, no, not Lanessa. I'm, that's going to bug me now. I'm going to have to look. Throne of Eldraine, because she was in the set. Um, shit. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Shit. I, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know, I know who I'm talking about. I just... Um, Lyndon. Lyndon, yes. Lyndon Kenrith, mm -hmm. yeah. The queen. So he tells them, hey, uh, you know, your son saved my life. You know, because Will, Will is able to remove Garuk's curse or whatnot using the cauldron of eternity or whatnot. So he, he saved, he tells them, you, know, you your son, you know, your kids saved my life. You know, they, they, they saved me from this, this Oko fiend. They saved me by purging my curse. Uh, I owe them my life. Uh, I'm going to do the best I can to go find them for you and make sure that they're safe. I will keep them safe. They decided to be like, so Garuk showed up and was there for like a little while. And then he was like, oh, you kids are good. You guys can take care of yourself. Okay, bye. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. It was just like, that's so Garuk. Like Garuk's like, you guys can take care of yourself. And you guys have proven to me that you can take care of yourself. Bye. I'll see you guys later. Have fun at school. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I really oh. wanted the the, the 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 Umbrella Academy, you know, with uh, Elliot Page's character uh, Vanya or whatnot, and um, 
five or whatnot passing by on one of it being Garuk, you know, and one of it being Liliana looking at each other going, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> hey, or the comic that I saw that was like, hey, Mr. Hey, Uncle Garuk, you got to come for parent-teacher conference. <laughs> right, I was going to say, um, Uncle Garuk. <laughs> and he wearing the tie. It's just so great. Like, but uh, they don't do any of that, uh, unfortunately. I, I, that's, and that's fine. Um, they have that. Uh, there is another Planeswalker in this set, too. And they don't. Really? Yes, there is. And they don't. They didn't reveal his card yet. Uh, they didn't do it on the, the previous year, but they they mentioned that he's on the plane and he's in this set, and that oh, is wait, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is Luca from Ikoria, uh, and he is present on this plane. And apparently, at the end of this storyline or whatnot, uh, Luca has been uh, captured or kidnapped or whatnot by the um, whatever these these people, the Orik are uh or Mm -hmm. whatnot and uh it's interesting um because they know who he is uh or whatnot and like they're talking like you know welcome to arcavius luca of icoria they know where he's from and uh so i i think they're setting up luca to be sort of the bad guy of the set and it's interesting because he was sort of the bad guy of icoria now wait, he's not a bad guy. He's just passionate. He's just about his beliefs. Wait, 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 wait. And you're, he's just seeking power. When you're not crossing spans like Sparrowhead between thighs, you are not bad guy. You know, you're a bad guy, but you are not bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's he's he's just misunderstood. But it's interesting to kind of note that he has yeah. Um, he has found himself a way to develop uh, his powers more, it seems. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they show him, uh, he is with a, um, a fox that he named Mila. Uh, so I kind of hope we'll get to see that maybe as like a card. Maybe Mila shows up as a card. Uh, so wait, wait. So you're saying that he's going to join this... Uh, Orik. This faction or this... this upstart group or whatever yeah so we went from luca putting agent of treachery into play to now luca being the agent <laughs> of treachery. yeah yeah okay uh, got it but it's it is interesting to note that i think that's kind of interesting just like based on icoria being his origin story essentially mm-hmm. so icoria set him up as, as as his origin story up uh essentially and his sparking uh and that's and so his powers come from bonding with uh, with creatures, right? Yeah, and uh, and that and that also is kind of neat because from a red perspective, yeah, he's red aligned planeswalker, but that's also something they haven't done with red before, uh, and they, huh? yeah, they really haven't done that in uh, with that. But his bond was with creatures uh, mm-hmm. because he's a bonder from Ikoria, you know, he's one of those. Uh, special humans that has the ability to bond with a with a with a monster or a creature of the plane, or whatnot, and form a special, you know, uh, a friendship bond with those creatures, or whatnot. And it's shown that he can extend that ability apparently to other creatures, because like I said, he's got this fox or whatever that's with him, or whatnot that he even named 
So obviously he's able to, you know, uh, travel with this or, you know, do something where he can have this creature with him or whatnot. And that's his, like, kind of like his, his mage familiar type creature, you know. Yeah. But that's kind of what his, his magic does. Uh, so... So yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Uh, it, so far, the story is pretty good. Uh, we get to see Will and Rowan kind of get into uh, a little bit of a, a scuffle uh, on their like first day flying coming into you know the college. They get involved in a, a little bit of a, a duel between some Prismari students and some Silver Quills. Well, of course they're going to be getting in trouble on day one. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, uh, there's already the, the hints that, um, you know, granted people know that the multiplex exists, but not wanting to keep attention, you know, call attention to themselves. Planeswalkers that obviously attend probably don't call attention to the fact that they're planeswalkers. True. That, yeah. that would be a good idea, especially with that, uh, rival faction. Right. So, um, just kind of like. Liliana is uh, there with uh, Nasari, uh, and they kind of help break up the um, the the duel or whatnot. And she's uh, kind of looks down o- over at um, you know Will and Rowan or whatnot, and uh, you know Will says like this isn't Kylum Rowan, and she's like Kylum. She knew of a place called Kylum, and it wasn't located on Arcavios. <laughs> and she's like, aha. Uh-huh. And then she's like, and then, you know, Rowan mentions Eldraine. Uh, there's a lot of uh, cool callbacks to Kylum, uh, especially, you know, because it's the Battle Bond set mm-hmm. uh, and it's the Battle Bond plane. Uh, so there's uh, some callbacks uh, to the fact that um, Will and Rowan are essentially now, at this point in their, their career, uh, accomplished uh, fighters uh, that competed in the games at Valor's Reach. Uh, and so, like, there's a bit of a bit where they're they're going to start fighting. They're going to start... They're getting into this fight or whatnot, and they're, they're going to use their magic, and, um, you know, Will stands up, and, you know, he... And she's like, hey, you remember the match against Featress and Gorm? And, and, and he's like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and so they nice. they create a she creates a sphere of lightning or whatnot and then he uses wind and ice to arc around her lightning why not to create a combo attack because that's what they do that's their their shtick they're they're both planeswalker the only reason that they're a planeswalker is because they share the same spark uh, they're video game characters yeah yeah it's cool it's really neat it's really well done I just, yeah. I like their characters because of that, and their characters were really well written in this. So, I I gotta give them kudos. They're starting off strong. Um, okay. And I and if it follows like a similar, because Kaldheim's story was really good. Um, I think out of the new sets so far that they've when they now that we've returned to having web fiction, um, Zendikar Rising story was a little, like weaker than this um but yeah Caldheim's was really good uh because i really like kaya and i also really liked how they managed that story uh, kaya is pretty sweet uh, and this set is really good this is turning out really good so far just simply okay. because of will and rowan if we get to see more will and rowan throughout this whole thing i think it'll be fine like well they're I really mean, good characters and 
I'm glad there's something at least uh, some type of nugget to chew on. Yeah. There, there's really not enough of the cards yet. Like there, there's a bunch of commons. We we got, uh, of course, the dual lands and and the deans that you mentioned. But there's really not a lot to chew on in regards to the cards. Not yet. That are coming out. Not yet. Now, uh, the they have a basic land cycle, uh, but there's only two of each basic land. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of ties back to the, um, to the individual colors and how they're trying to cooperate together to achieve the school, the goal for that particular school, as opposed to what their differences are. Right. So, um, so I thought that was kind of neat. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the shadows over in the Strahd land, dual lands is kind of weird, but whatever. Hey, um, um, I, I also just forwarded you and you'll have to check it later. Uh, but they um, are starting to now somewhat post the um, the Japanese some more of the Japanese alt arts for the mystical archive stuff. Oh boy! And the um, the one for uh, faithless looting mm-hmm. <laughs> is just absolutely gorgeous. Oh, I I grabbed my phone real quick to see if it was on it. Yeah, isn't that, Holy isn't cow. that something. Can you imagine that in an edge foil? Oh my god! Like, and, and, and see, here's the thing. Like, you know, not to keep going back to subjects we've already talked about, but looking at that art, like the, I I don't read Japanese. I don't pretend to read Japanese. Let's just put that out there. But going to the box that would tell you the name of the card, it's not the first thing seen, right? And it, it may not even be the second thing that you see. Like the first thing I'm drawn to is the person's face, right, on, on on the card, and then next thing I see is I see the the flame, oh my god, up near the mana symbol, <laughs> and then all the other art. Oh wait, there's the text box, and and yeah, so the, okay. this is why. Well, this is why I said like get yourself familiar with the various arts, what those cards are. Because you will see them when we start playing. God, I wish I wish I I wish for my cube I didn't have to like have English cards because <laughs> I would have some of these. Like, oh my God, the lightning bolt is insane, and the um, the Inquisition of Kozilek is just bonkers looking. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! This set's gonna be. This is the nuts. Even the even the crux of fate is insanely cool looking. It's like redoing the Ugin slash Bolas fight, but doing it in like the Japanese dragon style of painting. Mm-hmm. That is just wild. Wow. Man. I, I am I am on board with the, the Japanese versions. Like <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. We should probably talk about um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, like we we've done a lot or with as little as we've got with uh, Strixhaven. And we we're so, two hours in, right? So we we are. should so probably we're... not spend too much time on. <laughs> right. Yeah, but um, so spoilers coming up with Falcon Winter Soldier, its current Marvel Disney Plus show, and go. I'm all right. I, I'm, so... I'm shipping Bucky and Sam all day long. Episode two, man! Holy crap! They're, they're just—I'm just shipping them all day long. They're just—they're—they're they're perfect for each other. How how great is it that the second episode of a show 
strengthens the first episode mm-hmm. of the show. Yeah. And it totally did that with this. Yeah. Uh, we get we get more action with the Flag Smashers as a group. We kind of get to see them a little bit more. Yeah. Up to and including their their leader. Yeah. Uh, there's a text message between her and some unknown person. Because they're, what they're doing is they're taking supplies. Medicine and, and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And getting it to these small villages that don't have access to the things that they need. And there's someone, whether it's Thunderbolt Ross, someone government-wise, or, or some other character altogether, uh, who is against them doing this. Because during, during, quote, the blip, those that survived had to do something in order to continue surviving. So instead of relying upon traditional government structures, uh, they're like uh, one nation, one people. Mm. And we're helping each other out. If you look at the group of the Flag Smashers, they're all from different ethnicities and they have different accents. So it kind of helps establish that. Uh, Bucky and Sam find them uh, in this warehouse taking this stuff. Uh, They go to attack and we get to see Bucky... Using, uh, being the super soldier that he is, he's able to run faster than a normal human, able to chase down a truck. He thinks, based on what uh, Sam got from um, from Red, Red Wing, press F and chat for Red Wing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no kidding. That, that they had a hostage. Uh, well, they didn't have a hostage. It's just that uh, the leader of the Flag Smashers was in there. And they're all souped up on some version of the super soldier serum. Yeah. Uh, that is famous for Captain America. Yeah. That's been trying to been recreated all this time. So, uh, as they're fighting them, they're not winning. No, yeah, no, uh, not at all. They're Red, get, Red they're Wing, getting their, their ass kicked. Right. Red Wing gets his, uh, wings clipped. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but suddenly, here comes Cap, quote Captain America, and uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Black Star, Dark Star, Black Star. Anyway, but here they come, Battle Star, Battle, Battle Star, Star. Battle Star. So here, here they come to quote join the fight, and they easily get smoked because they're they're not they're just regular dudes, uh, with just body armor or whatever. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, now Sam and Bucky track them down. They're they're not they're not clicking. Sam's trying to do this all on his own. Bucky goes along with them. <laughs> they 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 have this spat. Oh my god! Where where Sam's like, well, it's got to be one of the big three: uh, aliens, androids, or wizards. <laughs> yeah. And Bucky's like, that's not a thing. Well, yeah. He's like he's like, well, what about Doctor Strange? He's a sor- you know sorcerer supreme. He's as a sorcerer. He goes wizards are or. Or uh, sorcerers are just wizards without hats. <laughs> right. And you, get, like, what the you get Bucky looking at him like, like wait, what? The chemistry between these two is just, it's just fucking it's fantastic. Awesome. It's so beautiful. I, so they, they, they recreate the scene from the first Avengers movie where Iron Man's like, I got a plan attack and jumps out of the plane. Right. Uh, you know, and then Cap jumps out and lands properly. Well, Bucky did. <laughs> yeah, he certainly doesn't. <laughs> um, he, you, you, you see it from his point of view, and you see his uh, his vibranium arm trying to grab at branches yeah. to, to stop his fall. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, and then Sam flies by, or has Red Wing fly by. He's like, 
You know I got all that on camera, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, just the dialogue is so awesome. But anyway. I love the, the, the back and forth between the two. The chemistry between the two actors is obviously fantastic. Uh, right. I love that uh, we got to have a, a literal scene where, uh, you know, the therapist uses couples therapy on them. And they have their little staring contest. And it's, everything about it is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, and it's it's such a good show so far. I'm, I'm impressed with the quality and I'm impressed with the runtime. Because uh, the runtime for this episode was 49 minutes. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. like, I from what I understand, uh, and this was a complaint about WandaVision that people had, is that the runtime of some of the episodes was not that high. But I also think that they intent. They also mentioned that they kind of intentionally uh, made the runtime kind of low for the early episodes of that show, simply because it was kind of a similar runtime to how those shows would be presented in the fifties and sixties. Right. So they were trying to keep aesthetically to the, um, the, what's the word? The the they were trying to keep to the core of what those eras were about. Uh, literally down to runtime. Uh, yep. Yeah. And so that was kind of why they did it that way. Uh, but with this, nah, this is full on, like, because there's only six episodes. This is full on hour long, you know, almost hour long episodes. Uh, right. Uh, and, and unlike WandaVision, where things were kept, I, I don't want to say, like, kept inside or indoors, like, most of it was uh, shot within, like, the home. That one was in, yeah, their studio or, or inside a building studio or whatever. Set, yeah, right. This uh, with uh, Falcon Winter Soldier seems very much open world. It's more classic Marvel C- MCU, right? Yeah, yeah. you're going you're going on an adventure with these two characters. You're, there's different scenes. It's a buddy cop show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except Absolutely. except they're not really buddies, you know. Yeah, they're, they're not. I I I think what I think what'll happen is they will have a bond that will start to blossom Could by the end of this. <laughs> a <And> bond. That, <laughs> right. I'm shipping them hard at this point. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. Uh, for for they sure. Are, it's they just are a, so gay for each other. It's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, right, right now, these two, um, like, Bucky's coming to terms. Steve's gone. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to, to the best that we know, Steve's gone. Of course, he could be up on the moon or whatever with Nick Fury, but... I don't think so. No, no. Steve's he, Steve's gone. Yeah, he's Bucky gone. is dealing with this. Like, what's his place in the world now, without the person who's at, who kept him centered? Right. Uh, Sam is trying to deal with the fact that this mantle was passed to him that he didn't ask for, didn't want it. Uh huh. And and that subject is at the center of the tension between these two, but they're putting it aside because oh, there's this stuff going on. Right. Um, Bucky takes Sam to see uh, Isaiah Bradley, which was cool. Yeah, that was which great. was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was a, a, a nice deep cut. For those that don't know, Isaiah Bradley uh, in the comics was actually the first Captain America. Right. Uh, he, he was uh, the first one given the super serum, super soldier serum, uh, while it was in its 
excuse me, while I'm in its development stages before they uh, finalized it and gave it to Steve. Um, when they meet him, uh, Bucky's the only one that that knows about this. Like, he didn't tell anybody, not even Steve. No, yeah, no. Uh, because and, because at one point he tried to kill him. Right, because yeah. they, they met each other in the MCU yeah. back when Bucky, Bucky was, was Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah, was the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And uh, Isaiah Bradley was like, oh, your arm grew back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we kind of we get this, oh, crap, he tore his arm off? I want to see this fight, man. Oh, I do, I, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other fun, interesting thing about that uh, is that, you know, A, you know, Sam's a little pissed that this was kept secret. You know? Right. Um, but also, like, we get to meet, um, and we called it. Again, we called it. Uh, we get to mm-hmm. meet uh, Isaiah's son, uh, who is Eli Bradley, yep. and Eli Bradley is Patriot. And yep. so, so another uh, young Avenger, another young Avenger. And we are getting, we are definitely getting young Avengers. And, like, and, and let's hope they pay this off. Like oh, yeah. I, I want to see some acknowledgement to Isaiah, like later on, mm-hmm. like when when we get to the conclusion of the show or whatever yeah oh yeah and there's even like we talked about this earlier you know there's mm-hmm. even a little bit of racial overtone in this episode where we get to see a scene where like bucky and sam are arguing and a police car pulls up and he's like is this my guy bothering you like are are you are you undistressed or you know I'm like and he's addressing bucky and mm-hmm. then there's this whole thing where the other cop is like whispers in his ear and he's like Oh, oh, oh my God. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize you without your God because I'm so sorry, Mr. Wilson. Like, like, I mean, just like flipping out because he realized who he was talking to. And it's like, holy shit. Like, that's just so fucking accurate to like the political overtones of the past year or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, And they did a good job with it. Like, it it was well done. And then, of course, they take Bucky to prison or well, well, take Bucky to jail not because he's, uh, you know, killed anybody or done anything bad or anything, like that, but because he missed his court mandated therapy appointment. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, he he was pardoned uh, for saving the world against Thanos again. Right. Well, actually, that's the only time they saved Thanos one the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of his uh, pardon is that he has to regularly meet with this therapist. Uh, and if not, he's essentially uh, skipped out on parole. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, so. Uh, Walker breaks him out, of, gets him out on bail. We have yeah, our little they, love. They love, hate this guy. Uh, I, I fucking hate him too. I don't. I I'm not real a big fan of him, but I understand that's the what he's supposed to evoke. Like right. you know. Um, you know, I, I saw some stuff. It's like is he where he's you know talking about how you know I'm not I'm not. Dr. Banner, I'm not Tony Stark. I'm just trying to do the best I be the best I can be, you know, and 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 it's like you're not fucking Steve Rogers either, bitch. <laughs> like no. Right. Not yeah, at all. Because <laughs> the episode started out where he was unzipping his Captain America outfit because they're going to Good Morning America. Unveil, yeah, they're gonna have him on this press tour, uh, and on Good Morning America at his high school. Yes. So he's in the football locker room. Here's his Here's this army brat who is in the football locker room. 
you know, all all the regular tropes, right? Right, yeah. That that, that resonate even in real life still today. Right. And and, uh, and um, what I liked about this was and this is somebody else pointed this out that I was reading about this was um you know, when there's obviously like this lot of tension between Bucky and Sam, but there's even more tension between Bucky and Walker. Because oh, because Bucky goodness. just does not like him one bit. And you can tell yeah. every time that that guy uses the word Bucky, Bucky's like, fuck you. I don't use my name is James Buchanan Barnes, bitch. Don't remember right. that name. <laughs> and, and, he... and, and what's great about that was he's like, he, he, he comments from me, he's like, you ever jumped on a live grenade? And he goes, yeah. He goes, but I have a, I have a armored helmet for that. And, and somebody pointed out, yeah, but Steve Rogers did it without any of that shit because he was Steve fucking Rogers. And this was before he was superhero. Right. Exactly. And he did it because he was altruistic. And that was the, the very concept of Steve Rogers as a character is that he didn't care for He didn't, he had no regard for his own life. If it saved somebody. And what's crazy, it, 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 like, just the the way that Sebastian Stan is playing Bucky. Ah, I love him. <laughs> you can tell every time that uh, John Walker says Bucky that Bucky is counting the number of times that he's called him. Uh huh. Yeah. In his head with that, yeah. With that death stare. Oh yeah. He um, is. He is. But yeah, because the only person that gets to call him Bucky is Steve. Is Steve. Is Steve. Yep. 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 And, and uh. So it, it starts out with John Walker, his girlfriend or wife or whatever is there, and then his old high school buddy that he's in the army with is there, who who winds up later being um, Battlestar. Battlestar, yeah, uh, his, his sidekick. So uh, they roll him out, and there's this um, drum corps version of the Star Spangled Man. Yeah, the one we, the I thought we, was kind of saw neat. in the trailer. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they, they roll him out, and yeah, he's like, well, when they got Captain America out of the ice, I was graduating from West Point, and da da da, da. Like, he's talking about Steve Rogers like he knew him, but he's like, well, I never met him, but... Yeah, yeah, you know, it's... And it just, it felt so cringe and so awkward. But that's the point, like, and that, right, that's, right, a, that's right. how you're supposed to feel about it, Yep, and you're not supposed to like this guy. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and you're supposed to get that realization that he's not Steve Rogers, and he never will be, because he will no. never understand the qualities that makes that made Steve Rogers who he was. But Sam and, does. And on top at, of at all that, at a deeper level, Sam does, but he doesn't think he's ready for it yet. And, and on top of all that, he's rolled out in front of everybody, and everybody's cheering and clapping and wanting his autograph and everything else. So like. You know, when we see things like that in real life where these people go on their promotional tours and just fans clamoring for a piece of this person, right? Right. It's like the the way that they're doing this should get us to wake up and be like, is this really worth my time? Like, am I getting anything out of it? Like, this should be a wake-up call because, I mean, they're sending a message here with how they rolled out uh, John Walker, Captain America. Right. Uh, at least from my cynical viewpoint. But anyway, um, so later on, after uh, everybody gets their ass kicked by the Flag Smashers, uh, Sam and Bucky are like, well, you know, suits down, got to walk. So they're walking to the airport <laughs> to get, uh, get, back to, get back on the jet to go fly, uh, fly back home or whatever. Um, uh, John Walker and, 
and Battlestar roll up, and they try to offer him a ride, and they don't get in initially, and they keep walking, and then they roll up again, like, come on, it, it's 20 miles to the airport. Say, so hop in, there's some conversation. Con- John Walker's conversation. trying to be... <laughs> right, John Walker's trying to be buddy-buddy. Bucky looks at Battlestar, he's like, so who are you? I'm Battlestar. Bucky's like, nope, uh, out. out. Yep, I'm fucking done. Just it's get out. Not... Not only gets out and walks, but takes a side road. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even walk down the road that the Jeep was going on. Yeah. Uh, Sam c- tries to get some more out of John Walker, who says something that just pisses Sam off. He gets out and walks with Bucky. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the episode, uh, well, actually, the, the go you mentioned the therapy session. John Walker broke him out. But after they get out of their therapy session, he's like, hey, guys, so what are we going to do to, like, find these people? Uh, we're like... And like, no, we're not working we're, with you. Like, yeah, we're free agents. We can do, we're, we can do whatever we want. And and, it, right. and John Walker's like, well, you know, just stay the hell out of my way then. And right. Like, and, and this whole time, shit. John Walker's been tracking them because Sam's suit is Stark Tech, yeah, which is part of the U.S. government. Yeah. So like, no matter how they try and reason with it, as far as why, like that's kind of shitty. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, then uh, Bucky's like, "Let's go, let's go see Zemo." Yeah. So they're they're off to Germany to go see Zemo to understand Hydra's secrets, so they can understand how to beat these flag smashers. super soldiers. Yep. Yeah, which are uh, the flag smashers. Yep. Yeah, that uh, was it was a good episode. I'm I'm excited mm-hmm. for next week. Uh, it's it's a it's a good show so far. They're they're killing it with uh, the characterization. Like I said, uh, watching watching. Um, you know Sam and Bucky, you know, you know together, uh, is just I I could watch this all day long because it, it's so infinitely better to watch them, uh, because they're just so interesting, uh, mm-hmm. and their characterization is well done and their chemistry is just insanely good. Like they just really really have a, you could tell these these act not just the characters. I'm just curious, but these actors have such a solid chemistry with each other that they're able to do pull this off and make it believable that these guys are friends, but they're not, you know, but they're roasting each other and they're, you know, having, you know, not and and you know, there's an an antagonistic, you know, aspect of their relationship and stuff like that, and it's just well done in that regard. So I just, I give him, like, all that credit. Anthony Mack and Sebastian Stan are just fantastic. Like, yeah. like keep keep them doing stuff in the future. Um, and then, um, also, uh, talking about um, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, stuff uh, that's coming up, I've heard, oh, yeah. I've heard some hearsay that we will eventually get a, uh, a solo vision series that will follow up with vision uh so i think that um would be interesting to see in the future uh Mm. if we give uh paul bettany his own series and let him kind of like stretch his wings a little bit so uh without let him let him stretch his wings a little bit without the aspect of having wanda around uh and follow him from the end of wandavision to see where he goes from there I wonder if, hmm, I, I wonder if they would kind of spin that, like the uh, the original Incredible Hulk TV show. Yeah, 
where the government's trying to get Vision back. He's, he's now this fugitive weapon that's loose on the run, yeah. right? Uh, out there in the wild. And there might be people in the government that want to get him back to make sure that he doesn't harm anybody. Right. But there are those who want to get him back to use him as a weapon. And then he's still trying to figure himself out. Right. So. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting to see. I, I'm definitely, I'm down for it. Like if they decide they were going to do it, like. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm all in on that. Like, and then, uh, you know, we got, you know, this finishing and then we got Loki coming up and yeah. I'm excited. I'm 6,000% excited for Loki. From uh, what I understand with Loki. Because he took the Tesseract when, when when he took the Tesseract in Endgame, it's, it caused a splinter. Yes. Caused the multiple timelines to happen. Yes. Although Steve took the Tesseract in the past from that moment and took it back to there, that moment where Loki took the Tesseract still happened. Yes. Um, so... So what it's I a, the time agency, the right. time bureau, the time bureau. Yeah, he's being hired by the time bureau, coerced, forced, coerced. Yeah, yeah. To to go take care of these alternate reality Lokis, right? That have happened because of his actions. Yeah. Yeah, I I, so. I think that's cool. I'm I'm excited for that part. Like, it's yep, like yep, okay, yep. like down. I'm one hundred percent down for this you know, particular series. Um, and apparently that's also, interestingly enough, uh, that's one of the series that they've mentioned is one that will have more than one season. Because a lot huh. of these ones are don't have more than one season. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see them doing Falcon and Winter Soldier for more than one no, season. No, obviously WandaVision didn't because there was, you know, it's an event series. Right, uh, and, and it's. I was supposed to. Well, that is leading to the movie. Right, it's just right. The movie is going to take longer right. to get out. And Falcon and Winter Soldier is more of like a mini series style one. Um, yeah, it's your your traditional comic book six issue mini series. Right, and so I I it's interesting that they're apparently going to develop a second season of Loki already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I I think it will be um, it'll be interesting. I'm excited for that. Uh, cause I'm, I'm excited to see how that works out. Uh, and then by the time all that stuff is done, we'll be ready for the new, 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 uh, date for the Black Widow movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which from what I understand, uh, there's no shenanigans here. It is just her story. Yeah. And then her passing the torch to who will be the new Black Widow. Right. As in the movie. And it's like, but... Allegedly, there's supposed to be tie-ins with things that happen in that movie that could wind up uh, leading to uh, uh, thunderbolts and stuff like that. Right. So now I will say this: uh, if you're looking for something additional to watch in regards to this stuff, um, mm-hmm. there is a uh, subseries that they put on Disney Plus called Marvels Assembled. Uh, and I definitely recommend it. They only have one episode out so far, and that's the episode on WandaVision. Uh, yeah. But it's really well... It's It gives you a really good uh, look at how they developed the show 
and how they came up and what where they came up with some of the concepts and how they kind of developed the characters and how they um developed you know all all these things that they developed within the show uh from you know the set design uh having a live studio audience um you know the sitcom set design set stuff they all the um the various things like the the dress like the you know the the various you know outfits and stuff that they used for each of the the tv eras where they came up with the inspiration for those things uh that sort of thing it's a really well done it was very interesting to watch i I sat down i watched it it was like that was pretty cool like it kind of gave you this kind of background on the series or whatnot and um it was also kind of funny to note that um in that series um Deborah Joe Rupp, uh, who who mm-hmm. plays the um, the boss's wife or whatnot, Mrs. Hart or whatnot, you know, right she, during the first or second episode, first first, like ep- that, yeah. first episode, but she was also yeah. in like the later episodes, the the um, the last couple episodes because she was in the crowd or whatnot. With yeah, yeah. she's a citizen of uh, West yeah, yeah. under control. Yeah, she um, she's obviously she's obviously well known in the comedy sphere because she was the. Um, the mom from that 70s show mm-hmm. and uh, she was talking about uh, her getting this job and she was like uh, they had offered me it and I, I wasn't really you know too interested in it and then my great grandson told me that if I didn't take the job he would never speak to me again and so here I am <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like yeah when Marvel says we want to give you a job uh, but what really struck me about that whole thing um watching that that thing was uh tiana paris uh Mm -hmm. who plays monica rambo uh was talking about her when she went in for her audition she didn't know what she was auditioning for they told her to come in and act like like a 70s you know gig you know like kind of like act overact and stuff like that and um she was like you know she went in she did her thing and she really wasn't sure what she was auditioning for. She didn't know. And um, she was talking to, like, one of her friends, and she was like, she's like, man, you know, she goes, this is Marvel. She goes, what if it's Monica Rambo?" <laughs> and she's like, and it was Monica Rambo." <laughs> and I'm just like, that is so cool. Like, this, and I think Marvel's done that, or, Marvel Entertainment or whatever. They've done that several times with several actors or whatever. I, I think. I, I can't remember who, but I, I swear I've read that same type of story before somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they haven't, cool. If they did, still cool. Right. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this part of the show and skipped ahead on all the Wanda stuff, thinking, oh, sh- they're done with Wanda. Oh, they're talking about Falcon Winter Soldier. Okay, I've seen that. I like it, whatever. And but you've not watched WandaVision and you don't care for spoilers to to the extent of like having things spoiled watching on screen, not two people talking about it. Right. Go watch that so you can understand the reasons why. Because um, as, as I mentioned when we first start talking about WandaVision, after, like halfway in the first episode, my wife was already checked out because she didn't understand what what the hell was going on. Right. But you ha- you have to let it develop. By the time episode four hit, it's like, okay, now those things made sense. Right. 
but it was a it was a show don't tell. Right. And by the time they told, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it, it's it was really cool good. to see like this little like documentary that kind of talked about like where they came mm-hmm. up with these, you know, inspirations for the show and stuff like that and um, how they developed it and all the technology. And also it was also it's amusing enough to me that the all of the like jingles and all of like the the. Uh, like the music, like some of the music stuff, the musical stuff of that mm-hmm. episode. The musical stuff of that episode is really clever, uh, and um, something to note about if you go back and you listen to all of the uh, the jingles, the opening like themes or whatnot, they all have mm-hmm. a similar set of lines to them. They all go, yeah. they all go Wanda Vision, you know, at some point. Or whatnot, but they do it in a certain way, and like that's uh, you know thematically appropriate to the era or whatnot. And uh, what always cracks me up about the music in this that 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 those little jingles and stuff is the fact that it was done by uh, the couple powerhouse of uh, Bobby and Kristen Lopez. Uh, it, when you would only get this if you are a parent with a small child within the past. Uh, four or five years or whatnot. Uh, but Bobby and Kristen Anderson Lopez are were the people that wrote and did all of the music, all the, the song music or whatnot for the mu- for the Disney movies Frozen and Frozen 2. <laughs> and they did all of the jingle stuff for WandaVision. And it, they're very smart, and it's they did a really smart thing with like the they're in this like documentary or whatnot, and they just did this really smart thing where they're talking about like you know oh like you know the the fifties episode has the Wanda Vision you know and stuff like that, and then the sixties episode has the you know da, 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 Wanda Vision you know like it's sort of like kind of yeah pep, a little bit more upbeat. yeah upbeat yeah, and it's just like wow wow that's what <laughs> that's really cool so yeah it's. Definitely go watch the show. It's it's neat. It's and I, as I understand, um, they're gonna do more episodes, and those further episodes will deal with uh, things like Falcon and Winter Soldier will have one, and they'll probably mm-hmm. do one for Loki, and uh, you know all the Marvel series that they're doing will all get one of these episodes where they kind of have like, kind of like what they did for Mandalorian, where they had that whole series devoted to the the making of the Mandalorian. They're kind of doing yeah. this for the Marvel stuff too, where people get to see, like, what was their inspiration for this? What was? Why did they do this? Why did they do that? Like, and well, how did they come up with this? And, um, and especially with WandaVision being like such a dichotomy, like such a dichotomy show, in that regards, mm-hmm. where you had on one half, you know, you had, uh, you know, the the studio set. You know the the studio audience set, where where they were doing things just like they did in a or a sitcom comedy show that filmed right. before a live studio audience or whatnot, and then they had the Marvel side of things where they were doing like the, the the big shoots and the big special effects on the sound stages and all that stuff, and they had the town of Westview, the the um the town square or whatnot built, where they would change it for various uh, eras. Uh, and then they would, uh, you know, then they changed it up for the final scene. They had the big soundstage with all the stuff going on so that they could do the, 
you know, the final, you know, episode and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, there was a bit in there where, um, uh, Man- Madeline Hahn? Catherine, Catherine Hahn. Ka- Catherine Hahn. Sorry, it's like... Catherine Hahn. Um, oh, I love her. Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, where Kath- where they show Catherine Hahn strung... You know, she's on the... The wires. The, 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 the wires or strings or whatever, and she's... They're trying to do a shoot with her floating in the air, and you hear the director go, all right, cut. She's like, no. No, one more. Do one, another, do another one. one. Let's do another one. Let's do one more. Like, yeah, she's so, like just, she's so just cool. bits like that, I'm like, okay, this was worth watching. Yeah, she, she's so cool. She has such a passion for her, yep. her um, you know, her, her, her craft. And, right. and not only that, like, being like, she said it was so weird. Like that entire like filming the entire time because nobody else knew. Like that's the other thing. Like that's kind of what Marvel tends to do with things. They can't. They mm-hmm. keep other people in the dark for specific reasons to keep people to keep their actors and actresses to to react appropriately to certain things. So right. as far as like the overall, um, the overall uh, storyline stuff of. Uh, uh, Agnes being Agatha Harkness and like all that stuff going on, she was the only one that knew. She knew mm-hmm. everything about the series. Not even, um, you know, Wanda. You know, not even Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany knew that part until they filmed that episode. Uh, and that was when they got. So you get to see this. That they do that so they can kind of evoke these real reactions from their actors and actresses, and it works. It really works. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm excited to see the one for Falcon and Winter Soldier just because, you know, it should be very interesting to see how they built this one, too. So, but um, we should probably start wrapping up. We are at two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, almost, almost three hours again. We've been doing that. A yeah, lot we're, we're pushing we're a little pushing bit. A little Sorry, bit. That's okay. Uh, so this is episode 38. Maybe we'll do a long ep- no no we don't want to do a long episode no. for episode forty. Get your god, um, but uh, so yeah, this is episode thirty eight. So let's wrap things up by having um, having uh, Scott tell everybody where you can find him on the internet, and we'll go from there. Uh, if you want to reach out to me to tell me that uh, when you do play magic cards, <laughs> that you do look at the art as well as the text, you could uh, tweet at me at MTG Packfoils on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook under the same name. You can also find my articles soon, I just haven't been writing lately, uh, over at mtgpackfoils.com. Speaking of writing, Joe, where can people find your work? Uh, So you can find me on Twitter at VolrethXP. You can also uh, find me on This Week in Legacy and Vintage 101 every Tuesday and every Thursday on MTG Goldfish. You can also find the um, cast at the Astrolab cast on Twitter and the Astrolab podcast at uh, gmail.com. And that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. And I just want to say thank you guys for listening. And uh, we will see you guys soonish, hopefully next week. Um, So we'll see. Have a good night, everybody. Sleepy time.